Welcome to GWC Podcast number 318. Today is March 30th, 2012. In this episode, we kick off our massive lead-up arc to the Avengers with a rewatch of the 2008 movie, Hulk. But first, your hosts, three unrepentant sci-fi geeks. I'm Chuck Cage. And one day you end up a big evil, you know, crap ass. And with me, Audra Hester. If I had a nickel for every time I got boned at the Eye of Jupiter, man. And Sean O'Hara. <laughs> I shall fart <laughs> Our mission, enjoy new science fiction, fantasy, and other cool stuff every week and share the experience with you. Oh yeah, and have some fun in the process. GWC is brought to you largely by the generosity of listeners like you. It's your donations that keep us going. For more information on how to donate, visit galacticwatercooler.com slash support. And the fine folks at audible.com. Visit www.audiblepodcast.com slash watercooler for your free audiobook. Of course, we'd love to hear your opinions, too. So if you have something to say or, hey, you can introduce us to something new, don't just holler at your MP3 player. Give us a call at 214-296-9229. That's 214-296-9229, extension 701. And leave us a voicemail for inclusion in a future show. Better yet, you can join the GWC community, a group widely recognized as the friendliest people in sci-fi, and watching, reading, and enjoying all kinds of cool stuff 24-7 over on galacticwatercooler.com, our website, blog, and forum. GWC is a spoiler-free podcast, and we define spoilers as definitive information regarding material not yet released in the United States or its country of origin. In short, if it's out, it's fair game. Welcome back, everybody. Yay. Back in the studio. Indeed. Yeah, this is our first GWC back after the uh, meetup. It's, no, it's not. No, Second it's not. Week. We did, yeah. No, just it still feels new to be back it in the does. studio. <laughs> it does. Holy crap. <laughs> we, we blacked last week out. It was, it, was, it was not good. It did seem like uh, last week. Last week was so busy. It was just insane. Yeah. It was like meetup recovery. It's still the, the, the remaining, like, overflow of crap from taking you know that you took off from to take care of the meetup it's like still you know yeah. my, my new method of relaxation though is coming home from work sitting down and getting like a glass of water and a little snack or something getting out the ipad and playing draw something you know catching up on all my draw something games for like 20 minutes and it's so fun <laughs> and i just love watching people I, I love the fact that you can watch people guess yours and you know watch them create theirs and everything it's awesome did you see, uh, Sean, did you see what she drew for Avengers the other day? No. I think I have it here. Oh, he, he tweeted it. Yeah. He made me screen. Yeah, but I, I, yeah, I have it. This was what she drew for Avengers. Nice. <laughs> I did tweet it. You can see it in my nice. tweet stream. Got a little Hulk to. action there and uh, Thor's uh, giant phallus and uh, little <laughs> Black Widow and her itty bitty boobs and gun. Well, very large boobs and small gun. Yeah, very large boobs. <laughs> Actually, the boobs are proportionally big. Proportionally large, right? Yeah, with, with the, the gun is very large. The boobs are very large. He's a big hair, uh, but uh, small, everything else. Iron Man looks about 7,000 times bigger than she is. Well, I thought that was, I thought that that was, was awesome. That was very cool. I saw her do this, and she drew it in about, I don't know, 20 seconds, too, which was hilarious. <laughs> Why she's like, oh, no, no, no. This little thing that's like... The Hulk is my uh, appropriate for today. The Hulk is my favorite in this, though. He's like, er. Yeah. 
He has yeah, a lot of attitude. I, I didn't like try to little... finish his whole body because I knew I'd mess it up. So. And you didn't have green available, which was a problem. Yeah, I don't want to buy green. I, buy green? Yeah, you have to. Yeah. I don't know if it's like coins they, or real money, but yeah, I just they, don't want to buy additional it. colors. But um, you had apparently, I think you could have just claimed that it was like the early Hulk, right? The gray Hulk. <laughs> Hulk the white. Yeah, sort of. <laughs> it's great, though. Um and I guess about a week ago, Zynga, who makes Words with Friends and all those Bazinga. Hanging with Friends, uh, they purchased OMG Pop, who makes uh, Draw Something. So hopefully that for will be- For $200 million. Yeah. Dollars. I'm not kidding. Yeah. I hope that will be good for us and good for the game and everything. But Probably you know, not, but- <laughs> One thing I like about OMG Pop anyway is that they've sent a couple of emails and one is like, you know, here's our update and they're not annoying at all. They're like- you know, oh, thanks so much for the good feedback. And here's the stuff that we're doing. And, you know, we hope you enjoy this. And increasingly, I've noticed that the word suggestions in their word bank are getting geekier. Yeah. Like Avengers. Well, go figure. Yeah. Like Avengers and Scotty and Gollum. Well, Gollum can be an object too, but I mean, all kinds of, you know, it's, it's cool. It's like it's made kind of for geeks. Well, yeah, it's a, it's an app that goes on a smartphone that, really intelligent and creative people play everybody actually has everybody has yeah. smartphones, <laughs> smartphones uh, yeah, are not like uh okay i'm just saying it, it and never mind it's like no no it's like the ipad you remember when the ipad first came out it was like early adopters and everything right now yeah everybody has an ipad still, <laughs> anyway i what i love is that these things seem to be like like things that i thought would have been really only interesting like words with friends i thought that's the kind of thing most people how can i say this like i thought it would be people who play scrabble would play yeah, words with friends huge appeal but it doesn't it like has this really wide appeal like people all over people i would not expect people who would never sit down to a game of scrabble would play words with friends i don't know it's something about like if if number one mass appeal is something like farmville you know a couple years ago <laughs> You know, Words with Friends is kind of up there. I played Farmville. Yeah, yeah. everybody, yeah. everybody yeah. played Farmville. I didn't. See, I haven't played, I have never touched Word with the Friends or Draw Something or any of that stuff. It's probably smart because it looks cool as hell. <laughs> and if you're it, an artist and you didn't do Draw Something, it's, nah. it's awesome. It, it, it's combined with word games, which is non kryptonite. And actually, no, it's not a word game. Yeah. What it is, is you have to guess what they're drawing and they give you like. 12 letters to select from so it helps you narrow it down that's all it is i've been guessing with audrey it's actually pretty easy the drawing is the fun part it's really like the game itself is somewhat challenging yeah it's the drawing that's fun you yeah, would actually be really game, good at just... it because honestly what it's all about is making an object as simple as possible that sound familiar yeah i mean, I mean that's like yeah, I square uh, on i mean yeah i just like, I make don't me know. A, a whatever in 30 seconds with no more than uh you know 12 lines in it you're like okay yeah that's pretty much it yeah i i don't know i i guess i don't look at the phone and think gaming thing you know i what i just i never have Wait, no, I what, could about, see that. what about I could all those storm eight games that you used to I, be like you know obsessed what? with i think it was yeah it's been a long time and you know they weren't really games as much as like you know check it that's they were check it games, you know, like okay, I'm gonna check this and I'm gonna do this and I'm gonna, and you just push the buttons and they kind of lose their luster quickly. I mean, and it was right, I guess this was about three years ago when I first got the iPhone or two and a half years or whatever it is, which I still have the same one. But the, I just, I, I think it was a passing thing, and since then, I haven't played any. 
For what it's worth, I actually get where he's coming from. Sorry, I had to remove a cat from <laughs> the podcast. Cat extraction. Yeah, cat extraction. <clears throat> no, but I I actually get where Sean's coming from. I actually don't play games on uh, on the phone. And it's not because I'm against it or anything. I just... Yeah, I mean, a lot of people do, and it's cool and stuff. Like, it I makes just... perfect... I, I, I mean, if you say, like, I can't see it as gaming, I don't think that's what you're saying. But no. like, I see you doing it, Audra, and I think, wow, that's really cool. And I even think sometimes, eh, maybe I ought to do that, you know? But I never do, really. I, yeah, I, I never end up doing it. I, I never do either. Now, Squeak plays the hell out of games on my phone. <laughs> I mean, she nice. can she can make stuff go. She's got like a paint game and a music game and a Disney game and a Dress Mickey Up game. I mean, she's got a whole bunch of stuff that she uses on, on the phone. But And and she loves to play it and, and everything. So, But honestly, I, I, I don't know. Anymore in the last couple of years, I just don't. Yeah, I just, I, I don't know. I For some reason, it never struck me as a... As, a gaming device for me. A lot of the games look cool, though. Yeah, I, I don't play a wide variety of games; just a couple. Yeah, I, like I said, Squeak uses the hell out of mine. But I, you know what? My phone has turned into text, tweet, and answer the phone. That's <laughs> I tweet the hell out of stuff. I mean, it, it's and especially like on uh, the WA account or something like that, which I use more than my own now because uh, I can tweet porn. Um, it's it, that's pretty much what my phone does. I don't know. I, I don't game a whole lot with it. That and like uh, checking mail and stuff like that. I, I don't know. I I use like the Chuck incomprehensible amount of my smartphone <laughs> capabilities. I don't know mail and all that other stuff. That's pretty. That's pretty heavy duty for old stuff. But well, yeah. But I mean, as smart devices go anymore, I mean, like there's stuff out there now that yeah. I mean, you can do ridiculous crap on on your iPhone. Actually. Or, so, oh, I was going to say, speaking of smart devices, I've got a sweet piece of news about robots. Oh, okay. Well, I, I was going to ask you one last thing. What is the coolest thing that you've drawn and draw anything? Draw something. Oh, the, the coolest thing that I've drawn? I don't yeah. know. Um, oh, I, I did one the other night that was uh, Colbert. It was like Stephen oh, Colbert. Oh, that was pretty and I cool. I saw that. dude sitting at a desk with an eagle and American flag and it said truthy on it. I'm not sure what the rules are exactly about writing words, you know, but I, I figure it's okay if you write a word that's not directly related, you know, <laughs> but I have seen some people tweet screen caps of uh, other people's drawings, you know, because the games that I play are just the ones with GW Sears. I don't play like, just right. you know, against the computer. Professionally. Game. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, some of the ones that people have done, they're like, dude, you know, WTF and they'll post the picture and it's just words. I'm like, it doesn't work that way. It's not like <laughs> you don't just write the thing, you know. Windmills don't work that way. <laughs> you know, you can't you can't like write a whole bunch of stuff that points them to it. It's supposed to be like Pictionary where you're supposed to draw. But um, it's like on uh, Saturday Night Live where they have that guess the secret word game from the 60s. And Kristen Wiig's character always says the secret word. Yeah, I was the thinking about that. The secret word is towel. <laughs> and it's like. <laughs> I did it. That's me. I'm a star. I said the secret word. <laughs> anyway, it's called draw something for a reason. News. News. And now, Galactic Water Cooler. So like I said, I got a sweet piece of news robot. about a robot. A robot. I heard this on uh, Marketplace with the, as many GWC women will attest, the sexy voiced 
uh, Kai Rizdal yesterday, and uh, which was Friday. And a uh, cool thing up at uh, Purdue University in Indiana in the engineering department, there's this guy, his name is Juan Wachs, W-A-C-H-S. And uh, he's developed this robot, see if I can get it. It's called Gesto Nurse, like G-E-S-T-O Nurse. And it's designed to be a scrub nurse. And they're all, like if you, I, I did a search online to go grab the thing for the news segment and apparently there are all kinds of robots being used to do surgeries and assist, you know, assist surgeons and things like that. But this one's different because it actually kind of takes the place of a person who's a scrub nurse. And that's the person who, when the surgeon asks for an instrument, they hand them the thing that they ask for and they have to try to anticipate what's needed and everything. Um, so a, a couple things that it's going to do is they think it will be more accurate because a lot of times there's misunderstanding or miscommunication between what the surgeon wants and what the scrub nurse hears. Although, I don't know. I mean, I still, when I heard that, I thought, aren't humans still going to be better at understanding yeah, was, that? I was imagining Siri, like, you know, assisting on a, in a surgery, <laughs> and I was thinking, that's, that's scary, man. Yeah, like you have the slightest accent, and it's just like, I don't understand. <laughs> weaker, weaker. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, not so good. Yeah, it has a universal translator that can read your mind, but it can't understand a Russian accent. Um, <laughs> can you frag it? <laughs> but... Um, but anyway, it's supposed to understand its speech recognition and also it will keep a constant inventory so that they're not leaving inst- or you know leaving instruments inside of patients which happens enough to be a concern. Um, but there's a whole I went to the Purdue website and there's a whole bunch of other stuff it's going to do too that the press releases don't really talk about. Like it's going to um, have this software that helps it anticipate based on what the surgeon is doing. It will have the ability to anticipate what part of the body he's looking at and therefore what instrument he might need next or what he wants to do. And it has like a series of outcomes like, Oh, if he's using this, then he'll probably want this one next and, and be, you know, have these kind of things. ready. What strikes me about this is that computers and, and certainly with, with the kind of data processing capability that we have these days, uh, Computers are great at everything except the understanding part. Yeah. Understanding the question. You know, other after that, from that point on, everything's great. And that used to be the big problem. We'd be like, well, can it even handle these? Yes, easily, you know? I mean, it can keep track of... It's it's like playing a chess game, you know? Computers are great at chess because chess is, is a simple outcome analysis, you know? and, and it I, can, I heard that the uh, weaknesses of the computer uh, one that was on Jeopardy, that the weaknesses were with um, puns and things that had like pop humor... Culture. Well, no, things that had like wordplay or humor in mm-hmm. them, it didn't understand. Yeah, cultural things. Um, in fact, we we had been talking about this in terms of semiotics in one class with uh, music was described, for example, as as a signifier without the signified. So, uh, you know, if you could imagine like a stop. Yeah, it's a sign or symbol that means different things to it can right it can yeah like you know uh if 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 i say the word you know cat that signifies something to you and what that signifies to you is the actual signified right and it's different for each other but we have a surprisingly because of cultural interactions we have a surprisingly similar you know view of it and so on right yeah yeah 
But yeah, it's the same sort of, those will be the problems that, that you would imagine the Jeopardy computer would have. Anything that relies on that cultural knowledge is going to be a problem. Yeah, yeah. So it's interesting, you know, what will be the limitations and things. But it was really cool. Um, Marketplace was doing this segment all week long on uh, robots taking our jobs, you know, which it was funny. It was not meant to be like a serious threat, but. They took our jobs. Yeah, yeah. It, it's more Shooting like a. all the jobs. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> It was more like a kind of playing on that, that, you know, old fear or whatever and saying, yeah, really. I mean, um, and most of the people they talked to were really excited to talk about whatever the robots were doing. And it was always a cooperative thing. It was never, well, you know, we had to fire people because robots took it over. Most of the times they were talking about how robots allowed them to create more sophisticated white collar jobs for people by doing something that was kind of tedious. Like they talked to this guy um, who runs this warehouse, you know, he has this company where they make something and there's a warehouse. And in order to get the parts that people order, they have to have these guys climb up. I was thinking like warehouse 13, they have these guys, he's like, they climb up like ringtailed lemurs up the sides of these shelves. And then they have to take a box full of parts and dig through the box on top of the shelf, like 20 feet up and then pick it out and then drag it down and, and they were doing this all by hand. So the robot, um, they they have it all like the warehouse is set into a grid. So every box is kind of in a measurable space. And the robot will actually go find the piece. And then it will shine like a, a laser beam, like a light, sort of like a laser pen. And it will shine it down exactly on the object. So maybe the guys will still have to climb up the side, maybe not. But it just finds it for them. So it saves like 90 percent yeah, nice. of the time yeah you know it seems like industrial robots have been in use for a long time i mean we know that automation of that type because it's so controlled right i mean you know that you're doing a very specific task you can adjust the environment to simplify that task to avoid complications you know well, any yeah. replicatable <clears throat> you know over and over and over task can be kind of isolated and then replicated mechanically if it's if it's something in a physical space but what, most what, of the yeah. time what I'm kind of interested in is the fact that when I was a kid, uh, there was a lot of fascination with household general purpose robots. Like everybody, I think, in the, in the... Like the personal assistant kind of thing. Yeah. In the late 70s, early 80s, I think everybody sort of assumed that that in the future, you would have something like that. And they even tried to like make the beginnings of it. Like, uh, I mean, you had the, the, the robot toys. I'm trying to remember the real popular one. Uh, I'm sure a listener will know what it was because it appeared on the uh, on the Nerdist TV show in one of the early episodes. I, I think Will Wheaton, when he was on the show, mentioned it. It was like one of the little items in the shelf behind him, you know. <clears throat> and then uh, I remember that, God, what was the company that made all the build-it-yourself? Heathkit made all those build-it-yourself things at home. And they had a robot. Uh, it was like a little thing about, you know, I don't know, two feet tall and about a foot around. It was kind of a cylindrical thing. It had motors in it and, and you could buy, uh, uh, it, it came with a processor and you assembled it yourself and you could you could uh, do some really basic things with it. Now it's the kind of stuff that those toys they sell, the Lego toys that you can program and stuff to walk around and avoid things and that sort of stuff. But it was very early and I think Again, not as important what it was then as the fact that it represented like you need to get involved in this because in the future, you know, it was like computers then. And except that panned out, you know, with computers, we you messed with computers then like I did, you know, now you still do that, but it's super powerful. Uh, robots, home robots didn't do that. And I think part of it is that 
kind of what we were talking about. The general purpose problem was so large to solve that it, it it's not yet solvable. And it still will be, I think, but but not yet. Well, but we do have like the Roomba and stuff, right? Well, yeah. yeah. And, but I think robot, personal robots, which you know how you are with flying cars. I am with personal robot. Yeah. I, I want a damn personal robot. Like, now, where's now, my- you know, and because I remember as a kid, there was, um, I was in Cub Scouts and Boy Scouts and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, I know. It's kind of funny. But um, we yeah, had, I was uh, Cub Scouts too. We had uh, the magazine that came with it, Boy's Life or uh-huh. whatever it oh, is. Yeah. Uh, they had uh, in the 80s when I was uh, doing that kind of thing, they had one. It was Build Your Own Robot. And you build it from like a trash can and some servos and some motors and there's a right. control and you could do all kinds of stuff with it, which basically uh, it was super easy to build and everything. But it was like, I don't know, at the time this was might have went, might as well have been a million dollars. It was like 45 or 50 bucks right. for all the parts to build this thing, which. Yeah. Where do you get a servo when you're eight years old? Well, and you know, and it are busy working and places, <laughs> you know, and this is before it was online and everything. So you had to like go to a hobby shop and right. get the stuff and everything. So a, Just Amazon it all move on. Oh yeah. You know, I mean, now you could do that, but I mean, $45 back then might as well have been a million to a, a little kid, you know, who was in Cub Scouts and stuff. There's no way I was going to get that cash. So I never wound up building, but I always remembered, know the deal and i always wanted one and it's it's one of those things that sort of like flight you know some of the the complex things and complex problems that they solve a flight with composite materials and jet engines and all that stuff the, from early flight to now you can do extraordinary things with it right i don't think we've quite gotten there with the computing power and like you're saying the understanding and some of the materials what we figured out like with uh what's the the japanese one asmo yeah, right. Right. I mean, they've. Honda Robot. Right. Uh, they've figured out some of the materials and how it can do self locomotion and, and all that, but it's still the computing power and the the logic associated with comprehension of, of for us, easy tasks is a monumental undertaking. Yeah, it strikes me, just to wrap back around to the beginning of this, it strikes me that the stuff we thought would be difficult, like walking you know, moving around, yeah, standing upright, yeah. all those things. Those are, those aren't a problem. The problem is understanding what the hell you're asking what for. You mean. That, yeah. yeah. What do you mean? That's the problem. That's the big problem. Well, Sean pointed out that if you have a, a repeatable kind of tedious task, that's uh-huh. physical, it's easy to put a robot in there to do it. But the problem is if you wanted a household assistant, Nothing that you do around the house is really repeatable, repeatable exactly, to that yeah. extent. I mean, yeah. you can, you know, maybe wipe counters, but you have to pay attention. Things are changing all the time. Even when you're washing dishes, every dish has a different way if you're doing yep. that by hand. Oh, yeah. You know, so it's like laundry, dishes, vacuuming, whatever. Each one is a different task. So I think the the cost associated with creating yep. something that could do <laughs> all of those things, is just not something normal people could afford. Yeah. It'll, At least not yet. And yet I want one too. Oh, yeah. Right. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. We all want one. <laughs> oh, hell yeah. Well, there was an interesting kind of piece of news that's been kicking around over the last couple of weeks that uh, that caught my attention. Uh, I'm sure some of you have already heard about this. First of all, there's a fan group that's been doing the Star Trek Phase 2 stuff, which is one of the many groups now that's producing uh, various free content, uh, web-based usually content related to the original Star Trek series, the TOS stuff. They're like continuing the yeah, TOS Yeah, I, I had heard right? about that. I heard some of it was pretty good. Yeah, there are. And uh, I know that some of the movies were pretty hot and uh, they have some pretty cool people involved. But uh, this centers around a guy named Norman, and I don't know how you say it, Spinred, I guess is his last name, who uh, wrote a Star Trek episode called The Doomsday Machine and was commissioned 
articles say five grand to write another episode. And then this is kind of where it all went sideways. This is back during production of the original series, right? And uh, apparently he he wrote this thing and and people didn't. It was rewritten some, and he didn't really like it. And uh, uh, he asked. Uh, rumor has it he asked Gene Roddenberry to pull it pull the episode from the schedule. They did, and it was never made. Uh, and I guess somewhat recently he e published it. Like he literally, it's relatively easy just now. as a screenplay, like uh, yeah, or as a, as an ebook, you know. Okay. He published the screenplay, and some people had bought it. And uh, this Star Trek Phase Two group that had been making the uh, uh, had been doing their web series said, "Hey, we're going to produce this. You know, go ahead and make this one from the original." This is where, of course, CBS kind of gets involved because they're like, "Hey, you know, we actually commissioned that, and we actually own it, and you really shouldn't have published it, and you definitely shouldn't produce it." You know, right? And I mean, on one hand, I mean, it, it certainly start, it starts to feel like one of the David and Goliath things. Like, you're like, look, you're not going to do anything yeah. with it. What you the hell? You go into a community children's theater and tell them they can't put it on. You know? <laughs> yeah. Pay me for the birthday song, bitch. You know? <laughs> yeah, not quite. But on the other hand, if you look at some of the articles, it looks like uh, a lot of the people are, the, the, really the people involved aren't really kind of angry about it or anything you get the feeling that everybody was pretty uh amicable about what happened this is one of those situations where i kind of get the feeling and i don't know and if you guys know more about it please call in i'd be happy to play the calls i'm not an expert about this but i kind of get the feeling that you know they look the other way paramount looks the other way cbs when when it's small enough, you know, like maybe even when the guy he published it, it's like oh, a couple of people are buying. Okay, yeah. whatever, you know. But I mean, a website where the real video could be. You're like, yeah, profitable, yeah. And the attention that kind of came to it, it's like, okay, I got to do something, you know. At least that's the feeling I got. But Good I, news maybe for fans though, if it works. I mean, I got to tell you, you know, I the more I and and I won't go off on a huge rant about this, but I really think that. Uh, we're starting to see a tiny bit of learning when it comes to interacting with fan communities. And this is something that's been a real problem for a while is that the content and franchise owners have really had a hard time understanding how to interact with the fan community. Because on one hand, you want people to be able to be creative and enjoy your work in creative ways. On the other hand, you can't just give your work away. That's, that's not, it doesn't work that way, you know? Yeah, but there is a tremendous need and expectation now to have interaction with your favorite IP. Right. And, there, and it's to everyone's benefit to some extent in some circumstances and, to do that. And gone are the days where you can just ignore it and say, shut up, here it is. You know, largely speaking, I mean, of course you can. And, you know, there are some things that still work that way. But uh, I think there's a growing prevalence in the feedback being part of the loop you know what i mean it's like a fine example here's a latest one bioware is doing the same thing with me3 they are very proud they do take into account what fans like what they want what they think about what they tell them all that kind of thing and they'll integrate it to some extent into their new product i think it's probably a little bit more accepted in the gaming community than than maybe uh, something standalone like a straight video or movie or something like that. But I think you're starting starting to see at least large companies who have a great deal of, of cash and development going behind these things still at least receptive to community-based feedback and, and 
Well, I, you know, and, kind of and we kind of have two issues there, both really important, right? One is, is do you change your work or adjust it based on what fans want from it? And the other is what do you do in terms of allowing fans to go out and create their own work based yeah. upon your premise? And with uh, as far as changing your work to to suit more of the fans type thing, it's a lot easier in gaming because you can do add-ons, you can do expansions, you can do you know different things that integrate into the original work pretty seamlessly. So you can either disregard it if you don't want that, or you can keep the original. And for that, that's almost tailor-made for for uh, consumer feedback, so to speak. But when you talk about like what you're saying with the the okay, here's fanfic or or anything like that, that's right. That's a lot tougher question. You know, originally we saw a lot of just flat rejection of it. Like I have yeah. to protect the IP because that's the way the law was designed. Um, well, it's it still the way is. the system's yeah. designed. I mean, and then later on we saw some integration. You know, uh, Harry Potter was kind of one of the first, uh, I, I think, to and, and Rowling was one of the first to really say, "I I want to control it. I don't want to." ban it i want to be in charge of it and actually went in and said i will accept certain fanfic i will not accept other fanfic and in a way that's better and in a way that's scary because like you know seeing her kind of deciding and going after certain types of of fanfic you can uh, i'll leave it to your imagination what she might not like but you know that's kind of scary in a way but it we're still defining those rights and it's a big mess right now i'll just leave it there uh, and it, but it's interesting to see something. Obviously, Paramount looked the other way for a while with this. Obviously, people are working things out. I get the feeling that this is not one of those screw you, screw you. I mean, it's working out, you know. I for every one of those you see, there are others that are messes. But I love to hear about uh, good success stories, which is why I mentioned the Mass Effect thing. Um, even though people are upset, Mass Effect is working with people, or, you know, Bioware is working with people. I love to hear those stories because it's just another step closer to something that might actually work for everybody involved. Yeah, there have been a lot of interesting comments on both sides. There's a lot of discussion right now going on. A lot of people feel uh, like this is starting to make the point that everybody sort of made fun of from Ebert back about games and art. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Ebert's real point, once you got over the games are not art, you know, nasty headline, once you threw that away, what he was really saying is, is if the if the uh, end user determines enough of it, you start to lose an artist intent, you know, and and that was an interesting point. But the real argument back with that was, you know, gaming doesn't work that way. I mean, it's a, it's doesn't a, that make it collaborative art. <laughs> yes, exactly. And that's why you just got to let go of the art thing and yeah, stop it's just definitional. Once arguments. you get rid of that crap that was just yeah. put there to draw the 50,000 comments it got. Now you're just talking terms. Right. You know, and you actually point. look at the argument. It's interesting still, you know, yeah. it's like forget. Yeah, of course it's art, you know, but well, you it becomes less of a singular, so to speak, vision and more of a you know, a blurred line or a multivision type thing. And honestly, there's nothing really wrong with that. But if you start out for one and, and for you, the creator, if it loses something because it becomes something else, then honestly, in, in my opinion, that's just bad planning on your part. But this, <laughs> yeah, I'm with you. But uh, there's... Uh, this is the question. Yeah, I mean... This is where it's happened, and it's happened with Bioware. Yeah. Bioware crafted an ending that they saw as the ending to this series. Yeah. Uh, a bunch of players don't like that ending for various reasons. A significant I mean, portion of their players yeah. don't like it. And and at which point 
they say, maybe we'll go back and change that ending for you. You know, and and on one hand, that makes a lot of people happy. And on the other hand, I think a lot of people are, I think, rightfully so questioning. I'm not saying it's necessarily that way, but it's a good question as to whether there is an artistic integrity to that. When you say, do you compromise some of your integrity when you say, well, if people don't like it, then I'll change it. I'll just make it what's popular. For me, I think in this particular case, not in all cases, but in this particular case, uh, it doesn't devalue it because you can choose not to have it. It isn't something that's tacked on that you have no choice about. If that was the case, then I'd say, hmm, you know, a little bit. But if you liked the ending, the original ending, and it that's the one that did it for you, um, you can choose not yeah. to, to download the content I don't think the question, though, it. is whether it devalues it for the player. It's whether it devalues it in terms of the artist. And the know? overall. But yeah, I, I think that... I don't, think there's any difference though i mean it was designed to be a commercial yeah. mass marketed entity of then, an artistic yeah. expression that's so what I was that say, was ebert's point yeah. that, that's why the a word got tossed around because you like that yeah but because when when they say if it's really just designed to sell to these people and make a couple of bucks and make them happy and it doesn't really matter beyond that then then you can't really set that aside next to a not, something that's not created that way and compare them in the same way. You know? Well, it's a different piece or a different type in some cases that may be good or may be bad. But regardless, the, the creation that goes into it, it's no less an art form. It's just different. And yeah. there are more splinters to that. It's not just film. You know, it just doesn't work like that anymore. There's more definitions. It's just like, it's sort of like saying all music is the same. No, it's not. Of course it's not. On the other hand, I think a lot of the people who are quick to maybe defend and say, well, if it's, you know, if it makes people happy, it's still good. And that's great. We'll look at pop art, music art, you know, and say, well, that's crap. You know, Justin Bieber's crap because people are, uh, you know, it's just it's just made to sell stuff and it's just crafted to sell. And I'm like, that's exactly the same argument. It's the same thing. (laughs) You know, it's either acceptable or it's not. And I know this. I'm not against you because I know you wouldn't say that, you know, but I I don't you know, there's stuff I don't happen to like. Same as everybody. But I'd be willing to bet that a lot of people, a lot of people will do that. A lot of people won't figure out that they're making the same argument that they're arguing against. And it's like, well, I have a question. Yeah, wait a minute. You know, uh, there, there's a lot of, of heated, but once you start removing and, and boiling down what the concepts actually are, you you need to, to apply them across the board. And that is very difficult for everybody. Me, you, yeah. people, it's very difficult to apply that standard unless you've had a lot of practice at it and... It's, really it's fun to, to take it. this apart from different angles and try to think about it. Like one thing, like what if you extracted and put it in a movie? Like, for example, what if, you know, I don't know, at the Matrix, you could choose to have an ending where, you know, Neo rescue, you know, rescues Trinity and kicks everybody's ass and and everything goes back yeah, the to the Hollywood, way he the wants quote, it. Hollywood ending. Yeah. 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 You know, what if you right. could do that? Would it be well, they the did same that with, art it is? They did that with Scott Pilgrim. They released a DVD that had a different version, a different ending. There's one version where he ends up with Ramona and one where he ends up with knives. Really? Yeah. Wow, I'd have totally taken knives. I think it's interesting to go back and look at, um, just to step back for a second, you know, before getting into movies, but to go back and look at art that nobody would really dispute is art, like Michelangelo's 
paintings or sculptures, right? And the thing is that whether, for cash. Well, whether art is commercial or not, I think is going to have to affect the lens that we look at it through, you know? Because if someone, like when Michelangelo is commissioned to paint the ceiling of the Sistine Chapel or like the Last Judgment on the wall or something like that, he can't do whatever he wants to do because it's his own free expression and screw everybody else. You know, he's making his livelihood by doing something that the Pope commissioned. And, but I think a lot of people always, at least I did, I mean, and other people respected the way that he found ways to get his unique expression out and sometimes even subvert the Pope's message through his own art. You know, like the Pope would pay him to create something and he would do it, but like in The Last Judgment, there's the, you know, the sack of skin with no body. Um, and it's supposed to be St. Sebastian, you know, but it's Michelangelo's face on it. Like, you've you've kind of abused me and used me, and this is what I, what's <laughs> left of me, you know? Nice. Or, um, he also wasn't the only one to have his hands on that particular ceiling either. Well, yeah. I mean, he had aides and helps and, yeah. and yeah, people help him. And so it was, it was also a collaborative for hire work. Yeah. And, uh, you know, or like Raphael and uh, School of Athens, you know, that's painted in the Vatican, uh, in, in the certain quarters of the Vatican where they eat. And he paints himself into it. You know, he actually like has a self portrait of, of him. Like he was the Stan Lee of his day. It's, it's, got, it's got Plato, Aristotle, awesome. you know, like all Epicurus. It was in his contract. Yeah. <laughs> It's got Pythagoras, like every, all the great thinkers of all time, and then him, and he's in it looking out, and it's very small, and a lot of people wouldn't necessarily see it. So anyway, what I'm getting at is, if you look back at that art that everyone just kind of accepts to be classic art, um, you know, those guys had commercial limitations too. And, you know, the example I always give is uh, Dickens. You know, do, do people feel like Dickens compromised his art by responding to readers? I don't know. I mean, I think it depends because he had so many other successful novels that he did not compromise that maybe that's why people would say no. If this is like the only thing that you do and you compromise, you know, maybe compromise is the wrong word, but you know what I'm saying? Do you, I know do what you you're let saying. the masses kind of direct your vision? Exactly. Is and that a bad thing? I have to admit that I, the unique uniqueness of people's vision is one of the things I value most in works of art, you know, and, and especially when it comes to TV or, or movies or, or games even now. And when games start to tell those epic stories like movies do and, and like good TV shows do, I feel like I want their originality. And for me, you know, I feel like I feel like I have never suspected that everything was going to end happy in the Mass Effect universe. In fact, I kind of suspected that it might because they would have to, but it, it wouldn't naturally, you know, and I'm not always I don't always expect downers either, you know. But I kind of, you got to respect the balls of saying, you know, not every game ends with you standing on top of a pile of bodies winning, you know, and and maybe that's kind of cool. Uh, on the other hand, I could see people not liking that. And, you know, I guess if I think one of the magic pieces of technology we're going to have to learn to accept is that they may both exist and you may have to come to uh, live in a world where your story is not the same as everyone else's, and uh, and that's okay. You know. Well, in the case of that, uh, Mass Effect has always been a very uh, different. I mean, everybody's Shepard's different. Everybody's storylines different. Everybody's 
uh, experience with that particular game is different because it's it's designed to be that way. And if you know you've you've played all these things and and all that stuff, and your your choices are perhaps not not what the the rest of the game has has uh, I guess. Uh, told the the entire story is not does not wind up in the same manner that the rest of the story has has progressed i can see why people are upset which is really the the argument that i see well put out there that i mean other than ah, it sucks you know i mean but yeah the creators invited the, the audience to be part of the making of it right from the beginning well and to yeah to change the story and to have uh different things affect it and and all that and and from the from what i gather and of course none of us in this room have played it to conclusion i'm close but i'm not there uh if if that doesn't represent the way the rest of the three games are played i can see the reason for the bitching i i kind of get the feeling that that the difference will be and this is just my own how i've been looking forward to it you know, having played the other games, I feel like uh, the others ended in the middle of a story. Yeah, this is the end. Right. And the end is going to be an end and it's not necessarily going to be a happy one. And it's going to be different than the others because it's not going to end with, well, we kind of reset a little bit, but now we're going to, you know, start again with Shepard coming out of something and starting to do and starting a new battle that's slightly different, you know? Yeah, they... In my personal opinion, you know I like those those realistic endings that like Saki in the gut. Anyway, yeah, like you didn't have a problem with the Matrix. I didn't either. No, I didn't either. And and yeah. honestly, with like I said this many times, BSG should have left you on the nuked out planet and said <laughs> bye. You know, deal with it. I don't it. know if I should, but I'd have been okay with that. You know, I it, I I personally think that's that was a more powerful ending. But the the one with this one, they tell you from the first game. Yeah. They tell you it's not going to be a happy time. Yeah. I they, agree. I, I agree. Mean, so I don't know. I guess I'll see how I feel afterwards, uh, and and everything. It's sh- this week I should finish it, uh, nice. pretty close. So uh, I just didn't have time this week. I'm with you. I know. But, uh, it's I hope I hope to do that. But I, as far as artistic integrity, man, it's a big question. Big you know, my, question. My own personal take on this, and this is just me. Sure. Because um, I've been trying to like represent all the different sides here. You know, because <laughs> yeah, it's interesting. Too. But yeah. but my own thing is. I think if I if I played through or saw a movie through and didn't like the ending, I want to be able to be upset about it, complain about it, and then say, well, I'm not going to support that product anymore or whatever. And that's how I make a difference because I would feel like it was kind of inauthentic if they said, well, here you go. Here's the ending you wanted. And then I said, there, that's good. Like something about that just doesn't sit right with me. You know what me. it is? I think you know what it is? It's the It's the fear of the echo chamber. Like if if you were given an, and this is extreme, okay. No, I'm not I, saying I think that's, that's a, a great point. I, I'm I not mean. saying this will happen based on this game or anything. It's not, but the fear in the long run is that if you somehow had control over that those type of things, eventually you would live in an echo chamber where everything would reflect back at you your own choices. To where eventually you would be making choices only from your own choices, you know, and that's scary. I mean, you need new input to grow and be a person, be a better person. Yeah, you maybe know? you need to be challenged by someone else's vision once in a while. Maybe and you, you need, need to see some crap you don't like every now and yeah, then. Yeah, and maybe you need to live with the disappointment, you know. How do you know what you like if you don't see a wide variety regularly? Yeah, there's also that stuff that just needs to be fixed. Uh, the, the like um, 
Fine example, City of Angels. <laughs> I know, City of Angels and the Pursuit of Happiness. I think that's sucks, but like, I'm glad. Damn it, that's not how that's supposed to <laughs> but end. But I don't want them to remake it. If they had right, done that, it, I would you know? feel like it was fake. You I know? would rather be mad at it yeah. than, than have it be able to just snap my fingers and fix it. But that's just me. Because I wouldn't be able to well, forget I the be original. Challenged. It's the level, I think it's the level of, of challenge that it takes. If it's like you're saying snap your fingers and it's fixed, no. But I think if there's enough people, like uh, End of Farscape, there's another thing. You know, the End of Farscape, they, they ended the damn thing, and this is the series ended like 12, 15 years ago. So I'm talking feel about it. Peacekeaper Wars, the, the yeah, attack on the. You know, did. it ended with a giant fish swallowing up the, the main characters, and I'm like, what? <laughs> Seriously? They're going to. What? <laughs> you know, and people got upset enough about it, and they wrote enough, and they collected money and everything so that they could have an ending that. That was acceptable to the series, not they got eaten by a giant whale. You know, <laughs> uh, this is this is a better. End. I think the the level of of um, I guess the level of bitching and and everything <laughs> needs to be proportionate to the the level of fixing. You know, it's like not just like a couple of people had a problem and everybody sent in a strongly worded email and suddenly you get a change. Uh, I think if there's it sounds like the same thing though. Mm, no, I. I what? You know well, what I, mean, is? I mean, you said if enough people complain, then sometimes it just needs to be fixed. But it, it sounds like you know what that's it is? what it is. They send I, in emails and stuff and then they fix it. It's it needs to be a gray area like and I think that maybe that's the answer is there's no good rule for this. Yeah, like it's I, not good. It's not bad. It has to be kind of good, kind of bad all the time. That's what makes it work. You have the ability to incorporate these technologies without ending up in the echo chamber as long as it's all screwed up a little bit and it never quite works the same way. <laughs> It all works out. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I may be a little jaded because I've worked as a professional artist for years and people change my crap all the time, you know, and it's just, it's not as big a deal. And sometimes you have things that you will change and some things that you won't. And honestly, as an artist, there are lines that you can and will cross and ones that you just refuse to, you know, and I guess that's the difference when you have the commercial thing, you know, when you, when you sell your art you're making it open in some ways. I mean, and I guess where you draw those lines is different, but yeah, I mean, there's no, there's no getting around that. There are people who are going to have influence and there are people who are going to not have influence and you have to pick who that is and what lines you will, you will cross. Um, I don't know. And it's like you're saying, it's a gray area and I think it needs to be because I mean, there's, there's not having integrity about your, your work <laughs> And, you know, sometimes if you have too much, you know, quote unquote, too much integrity, it never gets made, which is worse, you know, and it, I don't know. There's, I know what you mean. There's a lot of stuff in there. I mean, we could go on about that for years. Speaking of hate, I know you have uh, uh, another uh, piece that would fit here, but it'll fit after. I, I just wanted to interject a quick because it seems like a similar kind of discussion from the opposite direction in a way. Uh I had not heard about this. I feel stupid, but apparently Michael Bay has been working on a, uh, well, we'll just call it a Ninja Turtles movie. And Man. I saw the news that apparently they released the title Ninja Turtles. And uh, it became clear that uh, the studio had some ideas about maybe changing things up a bit. Literally. Yeah, the concept was that a they, <laughs> instead of being mutants from, you know, originating from Earth and the sewers, that they would be aliens. And a lot of people got upset because <laughs> they're that, not teenage. <laughs> it's not it's not just like slightly against canon. It just fundamentally changes the nature of the character, I think, for yeah. a lot of people. Yeah. yeah. So this is one of those. Kinda, it doesn't bother me, but I think that's how people. Yeah. You know, 
honestly, I, I watched the cartoons. I saw the comic books. I had Ninja Turtle toys. Awesome. Uh, I was just a little too old. I missed uh, it completely. You know, I was a little too old, too, but my brother hit it just square uh, on. And when we I play know, together. So, yeah, I mean, when your brothers and stuff, you kind of get into the same. You have no choice. I mean, you're locked in the same house 24 yeah. seven. So uh, you're you wind up assimilating what the other one digs and my brother was super into ninja turtle well, except for et i never got into et it did it, scott did but uh, anyway um or oh, what was the thing that wanted it what um no the there's uh i got into it so not teenage not mutant from earth or sewers but sp- Base alien middle-aged turtles or something. I, I know that doesn't work the same for me and maybe it'll be awesome. And, and like, I didn't think Prometheus was going to work till I saw the trailer either. <laughs> you seen it now? <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. And you're Tell like, you're like, you're like, Ooh, I see. I'm afraid I'm going to have to see that. You know, and it was the same thing with That's the, not Michael Bay though. Right? No, <laughs> but no, but it's the same kind of thing. Yeah. You know, I had no interest. You're in like, that. this is crap. And then yeah, the trailer yeah, comes yeah. out and you're like, yeah, I I'm get it wrong. Now. <laughs> well, and, and wing and, and, uh, uh, Operator and Beef like sat me down and made me watch the Blood and Chrome trailer earlier this Told week. You it's and, good, and I'm like, wow, that's really good. I, I, <laughs> not, I, not kidding. You know, it looks like Mass Effect in space. You know, it's, it's pretty cool. And and I uh, caught myself going, "Hey, is that a new vehicle? I don't, I don't recognize that." And I started looking it up. I'm like, "Oh man, this is great." You know, it's great. And then they said they're not going to do it again now. So, I will see. You know, it's <laughs> there's no telling with that. It's. It, you know, 2022, and we're going to be, oh, Blood and Chrome, finally out, you know. As long as the Ninja Turtle movies doesn't have stupid April, what's her name? I April O'Neil? Her. I was going to, was, I was going to ask who plays April. That's <sighs> like the big question. Oh, yeah. Couldn't stand April. Really? She was really annoying. Oh, my she God. She really was. She was like a, a hyper redheaded version of Lois Lane. She consistently Lois Lane, except less intelligent. Yeah, she consistently got in trouble. Wait, Ro- less intelligent than someone that can't rep- that can't recognize <laughs> yeah. Superman with glasses on. Yes. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. She was. I mean, she had no sense of self-preservation. None. <laughs> At least Lois Lane knew she was in trouble. It was an industrial accident. It fried the portion of the brain that actually it handles self-preservation. Yeah, she yeah, just stupid yellow pants and her stupid yellow she, outfit. She wore a yellow onesie. Yeah, that's what yeah. I thought. Yellow white, jumpsuit, right? Yeah, a yellow onesie with white hooker boots. Uh, and I've seen cosplay. Yeah. And her whole motivation apparently was just journalistic interest. You know, that... I don't even think it was journalistic interest. I think she didn't it have was, anywhere else to be? She was a turtle groupie. Yeah, really. she was kind of... And had no sense of self-preservation until the turtles came and rescued her. At which case, she would get into the same predicament the next day, every time. Yeah, and and it was like, it was like <laughs> you've got these four ninjas, right? And then you've got Master Splinter, who's awesome, uh, and you've got these four Ninja Turtles who can do all this stuff. But so they need someone to fight, right? So every episode will give them a new enemy, but they need a damsel. They need someone to rescue. So it's got to be this stupid woman every single episode that can't take care of herself, can't do anything right, you know? So she gets rescued over and over and oh, just... Yeah, and you had like... As a kid, you hated her. that? No, as a kid, I didn't... I wouldn't have been able to articulate it that way. I just hated her and I didn't okay. know why. No, that's good to know because I was I thinking... Know. Like, I mean, I can see on one hand, you have to have things like that in a car- in cartoons, you know, because you're just providing the environment where your your interesting characters get to do something. And as a kid, a lot of times you just don't see that part because it's not interesting to you. 
I think but, as but a kid, I just saw her, saw, I saw her as wimpy be, and annoying when I was a yeah, kid. Yeah, it must be bad. Yeah, you know? the Master Shredder is like the the only powerful bad guy because Cowboy and Bebop were ridiculous. And then there's the you know April O'Neil, who the movie version of April O'Neil wasn't actually bad in the first one. She was she yeah, she kinda, was like a normal person. Yeah, she could hold her own, and she just happened to get caught up in this stuff and didn't know how to fix it. You know, so the turtles kind of helped out with that and shredder kicked the crap out of the turtles too so it really <laughs> really came down to master splinter you know and uh because the turtles were like damaged and broken and, and <laughs> i still remember the end when the credits remember he's like i, I made, made a funny, funny. <laughs> i have always liked cowabunga you know <laughs> <laughs> ha, i made a funny you know he Master Splinter was the best thing about that movie. Yeah, and the <laughs> show. Know? Yeah, I mean, it was it was really cool. I really liked the the turtles in the in the cartoon because they were they were all cool and and uh, uh, you know it was always like which which turtle do you like best? Which boiled down to which weapon did you like best? Because they were yeah. all basically I liked the same, Michelangelo. Different. Really, everybody liked Michelangelo. It was he was always like the. I cool could one. never tell the difference because no, I was too old. He's a party dude. <laughs> he's a party. <laughs> I always liked Donatello because I learned was a, he? Orange. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm sorry. I like Donatello because he had a staff and I was trained to fight with a staff oh, first. Nice. So I always liked Donatello. My brother liked Raphael because he had the size and stuff. And Scott was big on the size because we nearly knocked ourselves out several times with nunchucks and <laughs> it was bad. No, I think it's important that they're teenagers though because one, the, <laughs> one of the problems in the show was that Splinter had to kind of keep them in line because they were training and everything, but they would go do dumb things and get in trouble. Yeah, they go party at the mall. Yeah. <laughs> and then they come back and then he'd have to be like, Nobody recognizes there's turtles partying at the mall, whatever. <laughs> they, wore, they wore trench coats and like, uh, oh, right. Fedoras. Fedoras. Right. Yeah. My cousin Murray. <laughs> Nothing, <laughs> like nobody nice. recognized that they had green skin, skin with, you know, large <laughs> turtle feet hanging out of these trench coats nobody because uh, who really looks you at know what feet, though you know? when you're a kid you miss a lot of crap um in one of my classes we they were showing montages right and one of the montages that they selected was from karate kid you know it was the one from the yeah the first movie where he's he's watching the beginning of the competition and they show the montage of the competitions right and I'm realizing that his love interest is standing next to him. And I'm like, holy, sh- she looks like she's about 15 years older than him. And hot. <laughs> you know, I mean, really, he looks like he's about 12 and she looks like she's about 32, yeah. right? It's like the difference between Amadala and Anakin. You I know? never oh, noticed that when I was a kid. I was like, oh, yeah, whatever. It's great. You know, I, just, I never got that. Here you're like, whoa. whoa. <laughs> is that legal? <laughs> not, well, not, not to like drive a wedge in it, but I think that that's something that... <laughs> Only in the state of Missouri, you know. Well, I think that's something that happened a lot in those 80s movies that you could do that if you had a male character. Like I, I'm sure. I know. It, if it had been I mean, the other I, way around, it would have been a problem. Right. But. I think that when you had a male character, a lot of times those fantasy and those kids movies, it was okay to show that because it was just seen as acceptable. Like, you know, but I just completely like boys I will did, be boys no matter what age. I didn't even notice it is what yeah. I'm saying. I was just like, oh, yeah, it's fine. And now I'm like, Okay, I'm, I don't know if that's good or bad, so but boy, if, it's, it's, I notice it. If the new Ninja Turtle movie ends up with some kind of weird, like, April is a groupie thing, I just hope it doesn't turn into, like, a Howard the Duck kind of oh, weirdness. Oh, that would be bad. You know? Do Let you remember, me lick your feathers. You know? Do you, yeah. remember, <laughs> do, do you remember Leah Thompson pulling a condom out yeah. of his wallet? Oh, my. Yeah. Like, that just gets kind of weird and yeah, I had point, a thing you know? for Leah Thompson and even I went ooh that's, <laughs> yeah, that's just uh, that's you're not strange. into that kind of bestiality right oh my god Have, especially if you know what ducks actually look like like male ducks 
No. Oh, it's disgusting. Not. It's disgusting. Yeah, I was down feeding them once and I, I saw it and it was horrible. And I, <laughs> was, I looked online to see if it was normal <laughs> and it is normal and it's awful. You're checking it. You, oh, no, I'm sorry. I had never considered checking out duck schlong. It's never. <laughs> That's never come up. Chuck is turning purple. I'm sorry. It was very disturbing. Who would have ever guessed? I, this I never knew. See, I, yeah. I, this this was like a couple years ago. I was feeding ducks, and there was one duck who apparently, like, duck, duck, duck. apparently, no. I had to look it up to see if it was normal. Apparently, well, when you hear the story, you would have looked it up. Okay, okay. So apparently, the duck I was throwing bread to, to was you? female because these other two ducks attacked it, and I thought that they were gonna drown her because essentially that's what they do is like they, they attack, you know. And <laughs> would ducks attack? Yes, and right. it's it's really crappy. I try not to think about it because I like ducks, you know, and I try not to think about how violent this process is with them. But um, it looks like, you know, a three foot long tapeworm. I'm oh. not kidding. Limp, flaccid three foot yes. tapeworm. They have a three foot schlong. You know, I didn't need to know that. See, I know that's why I said it's disturbing, and I had to look so it up to see if it was is actually bigger than they are. Well, I don't know if it's three feet, right but now, yeah, everyone is googling duck schlong. <laughs> <laughs> they're like, oh, wait, no, that's a dish. That's a spicy dish. I don't want that. Like, it's a delicacy in some yes. places. That would spear the female duck. Then I guess I don't. I don't know. know how it works, but is it like coil around her or inside her? Or it goes in know. and it knits a baby duck. There you go. It's <laughs> <laughs> Well, you brought it up. I'm just asking questions. I don't know how it happens. So I just, you, you I Googled that, the pictures of it, but not what it did? I didn't Google pictures of it. I, I Googled an article that explained that. And I was like, okay, so that's how it's supposed to be. All right. That's kind of awful, but all right. <laughs> she Googled it. I did like, not Google yes, pictures of it. Duck <laughs> is gigantic. I ugh. <laughs> proportionally huge to But it the just occurred to animal. me that if that's, you know, that is true, then how are the duck... Then that's like really messed up. <laughs> Maybe she was. Into I can I cannot argue with that. that Bell had really a bowl. Messed up. I mean, <laughs> oh god. I mean, if you're gonna go furry, you might as well go feathered. I mean, it's really not that much difference. Was he a bull? I thought he was kind of a buffalo. Either way, it split poor Bell in half. I mean. <laughs> Well, it would. I mean, he's a ten foot bull. It's Bell's this little like five foot five little petite thing. Either way, it's not going. Wait, well. she never married him until he was a human. So yeah, by, but she fell in by, love by with Disney the, values. Yeah, but the, by this is Disney World. <laughs> Imagine Disney. a world. Cre- in fact, there was a world created by Disney, wasn't it? They built that neighborhood in Florida. Remember? Yeah, exactly. That was really I thought you were say up. it's called Disney World. I'm like, yeah. No, no, no. They built a neighborhood you yeah. could buy houses. I look, Google it. It's all. It's a little scary. I'm not going to talk about that because that's more disgusting than the than the duck schlong. Yeah. I'm just going to. But yeah, Google it if you want to know. But I, I think I take her point. Okay. In Disney World, in Disneyland, whatever you want to call, they probably would not have. <laughs> they probably would not. No. It's probably not possible. Their head explodes or something. Yeah. It's something. Everybody gets sued so and there they you make go. people move out. Yeah. Hey, Sean, that would be a great time to drop one of your pieces of news. <laughs> we can't go down for Duck Come on, Duck follow Schwang. up Duck Schwang. It's no problem. I'll just follow it up with Twilight. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Glittery Duck Schwang. Glitter. Yeah, yeah, no, seriously, I do have Twilight news. Uh, apparently, reportedly, um, Stephanie Meyer for the last couple of years has said that she is not going to do uh, a fifth Twilight book. 
Uh, she's like, look, I'm done with it. It's, it's, uh, <laughs> grow up already. <laughs> yeah. She's like, look, I'm, I'm kind of done with it. I, I don't really need to tell this story anymore or anything like that. Yeah. You know what Dump that trucks. is? The truck back it up. Yeah. <laughs> it's like Cher's farewell tour. And, uh, apparently the Twilight series has made, you know, over a billion dollars. Uh, oh, yeah. many times over oh, yeah. a billion dollars. And, uh, so the, with the release, uh, or with the, uh, uh, the, second part of the for breaking dawn is now into editing and post-production and all that and uh the studio was like wow i mean the the response from the first part made so much i think it made like half a billion dollars just that one uh for the first part of breaking dawn and uh they're like we're out of this stuff oh Uh-oh. crap you know yeah <laughs> this is a cash cow so uh they apparently reportedly went to stephanie meyer and bought just paid her so much cash for to do a fifth one and for studio you goes in and says artistic integrity <laughs> yeah it says okay look we have giant Find it within your well yeah. dig another we have giant piles of cash for i have you. a checkbook i have a check right here with a pin <laughs> i am willing to write any number <laughs> any number name i'm willing number. to write a number with nine zeros on it yeah <laughs> <laughs> so put a number and then we'll put nine zeros behind it yeah and as long as it's one yeah she's <laughs> <laughs> like nine <laughs> as long yeah. Or eight zeros in any number you like. Yes. And we will go ahead and take care of this. Yeah. And, uh, Reportedly. And th- there's a whole bunch of numbers out there that, that have been attached to the, the cash that they have paid Stephanie Meyer for yeah. this. I've seen like five different numbers uh, across all kinds of different stuff. But reportedly. Probably 500 million. She is getting paid for the fifth Twilight book more than J.K. Rowling got for six and book six and seven put together. Wow. For Harry Potter. I could see that. Because it would it would be a good investment. Yeah, I mean you know? they know they're going to make their money back on it. They know that this is going to work out okay for them, and they're willing to take any kind of risk associated with it. And you know, <laughs> I just laughed. I had to. I'm like, you know what? Anybody can say whatever they want to. You'd have done the same thing. You know what I love about this? In one way, I just I can't help. Part of me just is gleeful about it. It's that I love that young adult lit writers are making. You know, hundreds Bank. of millions of yeah, dollars. It's about Bank. time that young Badass, gets more you know? attention. Yeah, Damn right. Sure. <laughs> well, Damn I mean, right. imagine how many people will be inspired to go write great stuff. Not just necessarily by the money, but by the success of the story and the inspiration of the story. Yeah, the reach of the stories. Yeah. 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 I would. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, I, I love that, first of all. Second of all, I'm getting more Twilight, which I, I'm a Twilight cool. fan and I love yeah. it. Um, I, uh, like you, I'm excited that like uh you know young adult literature is getting this kind of attention because some of the the best stuff that i've ever read in my most dear are things that i read as a young adult or a kid you know like um isaac asimov did a thing uh uh, the norby chronicles one of my favorites about a little robot made from a trash can Eh. Um, (laughs) nice you can see where the robot from a trash can thing is is piling up but uh, there was that. There was also, uh, of course, my favorite series uh, by Robin McKinley, which was the, oh, yeah. the the Blue Sword series, which, you know, here on the crown, Blue Sword and everything, which I got the name Talat from, uh, who is my beloved homie. Uh, and, Rusty Steed. Yes. Uh, so, I mean, that kind of stuff, where that, uh, that kind of thing ever 
kind of made into movies or, or something, I would pay significant portions of cash. You know what yeah. I'm, I'm yeah. curious about? Um, oh, yeah. As far as like Harry Potter's success, there, there's like a huge, you know, uh, like a ripple effect of all the different ways it's been successful. successful. But I wonder, um, Harry Potter has this enormous international appeal. And the books have been translated into dozens of languages. I mean, it's insane. Like even in like, you know, India and all these places, like, you know, people love Harry Potter all over the it's world. It's in Farsi for crying out loud. I- I'm yeah. curious about, you know, what kind of international appeal Twilight has and if it bumps up against cultural or religious norms in different ways than Harry Potter yeah, did. Yeah, that's interesting. And then also I'd be interested to know if Twilight has this, a similar kind of adult fan base that Harry Potter does. Because um, Harry Potter has always had kind of a huge adult, especially adult women, you know, who have really, really dug. Those I think stories. across and, and a I lot wonder, of. Yeah. I don't know, man. I know a lot of. Probably so. I mean, I, I just, have trouble. I'm, like, if I think just of people I know, which is not a fair sample, right? But yeah, both men and women are into it. You know, yeah. I would count myself. I'm into it. I think it's cool. Into you know? Harry Potter. Harry Potter. Potter. Oh yeah, 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 absolutely. I mean, I but not to be fair, anecdotally, in my experience. Sean's the only person I know who likes yeah. Twilight. For what it's worth, I have not read <laughs> nor, nor seen huge. any, I mean, so I, I'm not, yeah. I don't stand for or against. Yeah, I yeah. actually know yeah, nothing exactly. about it except yeah. what I hear, so I refuse to like say. Yeah, I can't judge. Yeah, I, mean, I can't. I just don't have anything to go yeah, with. I, I don't know as far as you know how it actually breaks down. I know that, uh, at least in the States, it is heavily prevalent with a female audience for the Twilight. I don't know as far as uh, how it translates across countries or, or anything. Be interesting. Like that. It would be super interesting to see. I know that anything that makes this kind of cash has this kind of following cannot just be, uh, you know, just not be that localized. But I, I don't know. You know, in that along that same line, uh, Hunger Games opened. Right? Yeah, Hunger Games is massively, massively See, successful. Now I'll just I, I haven't seen it. I, yeah, I don't know about it. I haven't read the I'm books. I'm stupid. So yeah, I don't. I haven't. I'm dumb. I haven't. I read did it. buy the book the other she day. She did, so and we are. <laughs> it is in queue to read here, and we're going to go <laughs> yeah. see the movie very soon. I think because it's. Uh, but uh, it's worth noting that Hunger Games actually scored the single biggest uh, return. You know, opening. You know, opening return of any non sequel. Yeah. In fact, it's the third most you mean third, return. You mean money? Yeah, third highest grossing uh, opening weekend movie in history, only behind Harry Potter and and Deathly Hallows Part Two, the right. final movie, right? right? Which was one hundred sixty nine point two million, and Dark Knight, which was one hundred fifty eight point four million. Uh, Hunger Games came in at uh, at one hundred fifty five million opening weekend and made ten point eight million more on Monday alone wow yeah just how much yeah. you know and not to take away from the you know uh the importance of hunger games as its own art but i think that probably the success of harry potter and twilight paved a bit of ground for hunger games to maybe do so well. but but i think what's interesting is as people point out non-sequel in other words, this is smoking the crap out of everything that yeah. was not a sequel. Thank God, maybe we'll start making original stuff. Well, again. no, I mean, I, I don't, I wouldn't count like, uh, I wouldn't count like Dark Knight as not original, or count, uh, you know, or count. The, I'm just being kind of facetious. The I mean, seventh edition part two of Harry the I Harry know, Potter know, story is not original. You know, uh, I, I think to me, like the bad sequel that you talk about is like the kind where they took something that had made some money and then they just kind of extend it. Right, you know? to try to make more money when right. there's not, yeah. Versus, versus telling a story in multiple parts, you know. But but the point is, is I, I think this is 
kind of an indicator of a couple of things, and a lot of people are are saying this right now. One is that 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 story market that that young adult wet story market is huge for both adults and kids right now. That that stories of of I guess that drive that makes those interesting makes them interesting to a lot of people. And secondly, and this is really cool, a lot of people are indicating that this is the kind of might be the beginning of the end of no female action heroes. Yeah. You know, because you have a female action hero who is not over-sexualized, who is not impractical or, or you know, just made right. into something that can't exist in, in the My real world. My understanding, too, is that she pays almost zero attention to her own appearance and her own kind of, yeah. you know... Yeah. Her own beauty or whatever, that it's just not a concern. No attack on the other stuff, but there's been a Darth of that. Yeah. And oh, a lot yeah. of people are indicating that like, okay, guys, the public has been ready to accept this for a long time. You know, you just haven't been prepared to make it and, and take the risk. Yeah, which portion of the public, right? And, I mean, and I, yeah, exactly. You know, you've only been catering to the... Exactly. And it's not the public that's screwed up. It's, it's the representation of the public in the minds of the creators that's yeah. screwed up. And and finally, you get somebody that says, you know what, we're just not going to do that. And it just trounces the crap out of everything that's out there, you know? I mean, I think it's fair to point it's out awesome. that even though you've got this character who's not concerned about beauty, she is played by Jennifer Lawrence, who is amazing looking. Yeah, a beautiful um, person. Right. So it's kind of, you know, it's not like a 100% turnaround, but but still, it's a cool, very cool message. I can't, I can't really do do it justice because I need to read it and see yeah. the movie first. Yeah, but, yeah I haven't. But I, I want to point out that I've seen a lot of argument uh, uh, where people have pointed out that one of the bitches, and I'm not going to even, if you want to know about the the bitching that's just total trash that's out there, you can Google it. I'm not even going to mention it here because I don't think they deserve it. Um, and you can Google it and see what I'm talking about, but. Uh, the real criticism, some people would criticize that, that some of the women were too chubby in it because of the environment, literally. And, oh, and, yeah, <laughs> that's funny. You know, that, that because of that environment, it wouldn't have happened, you know? And, and I think it's, uh, so, so that's kind of a positive thing. I think a lot of people are saying they chose, they did not choose as anywhere near as much that way as you'd expect. They didn't choose starving looking women. That's right. Even even like they would have in a normal movie. The other thing I, I had heard so. that was uh, a critique, and again, I haven't read it either, but uh, I guess a lot of uh, fans of the books were saying that they didn't think Jennifer Lawrence looked like Katniss was supposed to because she was supposed to have darker skin and darker features. And, you know, um, but my question, I can't tell. I haven't seen enough pictures, but Jennifer Lawrence in X-Men in the, um, was it the last, uh, what's the most recent X-Men? First class. First class. Okay. Um, it looks like she's a lot thinner in the Hunger Games pictures that I've seen than she was in first class. I mean, first class, she wasn't fat. She was like muscular, I thought. I I don't know. It certainly would be easy to change. I haven't seen enough yeah, of either of, of the new Hunger Games stuff. I've been avoiding it because I'm going to go see it. Yeah, because I mean, I remember in X-Men just thinking, man, you know, she's got the legs of like a female boxer, you know, or like a... A sprinter, you know, someone with like really, really muscular legs and they looked fantastic, but they weren't those like narrow little legs that that don't even touch at the top, you know, <laughs> like uh, like the reporter. What's her name had in the movie? Anyway, just curious. Yeah. Well, I'm excited to see it. I and, and I'm really excited about what it means. You know, I love that this market is opening up and I love that uh, 
the the type of movie that can make a lot of money has changed and is now clear. Mm-hmm. I, I'm really excited to see what comes in the next few years. One kind of small related news piece uh, about Hunger Games is that <clears throat> apparently it's sparked a really big surge in, all over the United States anyway in archery among young women, oh, awesome. young <laughs> girls and women. And uh, there was this place in New Jersey that I guess, you know, there was an article online and they were interviewing and saying that they've had a 600% increase or something in, in women taking archery lessons over the last few years. And uh, Hunger Games obviously has been an influence. And also the movie Brave, which is coming nice. out uh, in a few months, um, features a, a female character who's a good archer. And uh, it's kind of neat because they, they were interviewing this six-year-old girl who was there um, with her friends and... She's like, yeah, you know, I really enjoyed this. And my, my friends weren't happy about it because they didn't know what it was. And then we got here and everyone learned how to do it. And it's really fun. And the uh, the instructors at this place in Jersey were saying that the young girls are, are a little bit, they take to it a little bit better than the boys their age because archery requires more patience and focus <laughs> and yeah, go figure. being able to like stand still and think about something and make a careful move as opposed to kind of Funny brute that. force. Or, archery yeah. hasn't been this cool in like 150 years. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, my time has come, you know. Since the invention of the gun, yeah. ar- <laughs> archery has not been this popular. It's kind of on a downward slide, you know. <laughs> if I could throw out just one last piece of news real quick. Um, I know that GWC frack parties are doing uh, Deep Space Nine as part of the Trek, oh, yeah. the Trek rewatch. You mentioned this. And uh, I just discovered the other day, I mean, th- this is literally like a couple of days old, this article that I found. Um, the Onion AV Club is doing some really detailed uh, reviews, not just reviews, but discussions of the characters and everything of Deep Space Nine. Um, not every episode, but they did this like very in-depth report on um, In the Hands of the Prophets from season one. And the headline is like, In the Hands of the Prophets, in which Kai Wynn is not to be trifled with. Um, and in the next week, they're going to publish two more long ones on season two episodes. So I was just thrilled to see new material on the web from a cool source, really doing in-depth discussion on that. So I thought people would want to know. Hell yeah. So, you know, I was not aware that uh, at the time that this was the beginning of the Avengers. Yeah. And the movie. Yeah. You know, I did not get that. I mean, and it's funny because I even watched this movie uh, a, a couple of years back. And I still... Wait, you saw this version of Hulk before? Yeah. I didn't even know yeah. you'd seen it. I hadn't seen it until just now. Yeah. And I mean, I didn't remember. It, it, it was it was not extremely memorable. You know, I didn't I didn't remember a lot of it. Like when we were watching it, it's a lot of it still felt new. Every now and then I would recognize a scene, but I didn't even remember the story. Uh, okay. the, the outcome of the story or anything, but I, it didn't strike me then. I didn't get what was going on. I just didn't pay attention. I guess like you do now, now, you know, but this was in now, and I'm sure everybody's going, duh, but I did not get, and maybe a listener or two ha- didn't as well. This was the beginning of the Avengers. This was the first movie created with Avengers in mind, right? Well, the, the first Iron Man, had Nick Fury and it's like, I'd like to talk to you about this, you know, this initiative. Right. And I mean, that's where they really began. I think the, the whole, um, uh, was that before thing. this? Well, one, you got an iPad somewhere around here. There's a, uh, uh, I thought that Iron Man was the first, it's just going to say the year. Yeah. 
Yeah, I thought the because Iron Man mentioned had Nick Fury and had Shield and and mentioned the Avengers. Well, the really. the newspaper clips and all the stuff that they showed in kind of fast motion at the beginning of Hulk mentioned that stuff. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, there's the but this is definitely one of the the. I would have put uh, Iron Man first. Then I I had them in what I thought was the order. I was pretty sure that Hulk came out right before, but I guess it could be. I, I don't know. I could <laughs> be wrong on that. Well, I and you know in hindsight, it almost they were almost the same. They were both the same year. Yeah. Right. You know, I don't know. You know what I appreciated about this was that they could have started, you know, before the transformation, before the experiment, and all that, and, and taken us through it, and they didn't. It was you an know, interesting choice. In the credits, they showed us everything that had happened in the past, and and then started the story. And everything I know about storytelling and writing, just from classes I've taken and stuff, I'm not a great writer, but everything I've been told from the good people who do it is that that's how you tell a good story is instead of saying, okay, there's this action that's going to happen and I'm going to start before it and then show you how it happens. Like, don't do that. Just start either in the middle of the action or now that that's happened, now what? And I was like, wow, that's so bold, you know, because so many people will rely on the old, the old standard, which is, you know, like for a, a, a good example of one that worked out doing it the other way was Titanic. Right, you know, right. Because the the movie became about the this end, relationship. Yeah, about the beginning versus about the end. This was about, yeah, I'm with you. Sorry. Yeah, no, no. I, the beginning of what? Well, yeah, I mean, Titanic, everybody, like the big joke, everybody knows what happens to the boat. Well, that's not the story. The story was about the beginning, about how things got to that point, not what happened. This is the opposite. Yeah, this is not yeah. about how it started. This is about yeah. where it's how going. How dealt with it after. Well, and to be fair, they made a Hulk movie before this. It did not go well. And it used the standard kind of formula, like you're saying, like, okay, here's the beginning. Here he is before he's a monster. Here he is uh, while becoming a monster. Here he is after the monster. Yeah, right. And... This one, I think they learned some lessons, actually, a lot of lessons from the first Hulk, which was not good. And <laughs> it was, you know what? I watched it all the way to the like the, the, the bitter end, and I just sort of sat there and went, huh. The, you know, the first one? The 2003. One. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, and it, it was not as good. Incidentally, I looked. Uh, you were right. Iron Man came out one month prior <laughs> yeah so they essentially happened at the same time yeah, you know iron time. man came out may of wow. 2008 why would Hulk they came out june so 2008 yeah wow i don't uh, know <laughs> you know so I, it was it was very much of that but they had learned a lot of lessons but in hulk it turns out is kind of a tough movie to make yeah and it's a tough character to portray because if you get hulk right He's he's interesting, but not in the same way all the other characters are interesting, uh, at least to me anyway. Like when you, you tell Captain America's tale, he's dynamic, he's interesting. Thor, same way. He's dynamic, he's interesting. He, he has interesting things to say here and there and everything. And him being Thor is not as interesting as what Thor does. Hulk flipped that. You know, it's, it's more interesting uh, for Hulk when you... You see what he has to put up with to to be who he is, and and that's a great point. You know, it's it's very different with Hulk, and it's a very different type of story. Uh, for Hulk, the Hulk wins when he's not the Hulk. <laughs> you know, if he can avoid yeah. being the Hulk, that is a win, and it's 
it's bad, you know, because everybody situations and everything force him to be who he is. And with the Avengers, I think you'll see, and even at the end of this movie, which I don't want to skip to there yet, but even at the end of this movie, you start to see him learn to control who he is and learn to be okay with being who and what he is. Um, he's very different than the rest of the Avengers, uh, which it's a pretty varied group. I mean, to be honest, but still he's very different and it's difficult to make a movie about somebody who at their mightiest gets dumber. You know, it's, it's difficult to make that guy the hero. Yeah. I, uh, you know, one of the things that ironically is the biggest, like, uh, debate among fans is changing the origins of superheroes when you bring them to the big screen. Right. Which is ironic to me because they change origins regularly all the, in the time comics, in the comics, you know, yeah. but there's something about when, when you come to the big screen, it really, it really rankles they everybody. Feel like it's people not in the comic industry making the changes. Well, you know, we people do. who we, may not be as be qualified may not be as qualified as what they think. And, and I talked about that earlier with Ninja Turtles. I mean, it's uh, I felt betrayed because yeah. they weren't, you know. <laughs> yeah, and I get it. You know, this is, uh, and and I'm not a Hulk expert by any means. In fact, I know very little. I had to go read up a little bit. Uh, and it was interesting. You know, I was fascinated by the fact that uh, there were a number, from what I could tell, a number of Hulk origins, but they all, almost all of them involved involves Banner being involved in some sort of like accident, some sort of situation that he was not meant to be involved in. And most of the uh, most of the variants on it involved who was responsible for the incident itself, which was a way to introduce different bad guys, you know, yeah. and and this is a major even, even though there have been a number of Hulk uh, origins, this is a major departure in this one. The origin was that you had actually shield, right? trying to make these uh, super soldiers and having Banner working on the project without him knowing Banner thinking that he was working on this, uh, you know, anti-radiation cure. Do you think that there which, was any commentary about like World War Two and, and all that in this? I don't know. Let me finish this real quick, though. But, you know, but instead he he tries it on himself because he thinks he's found this cure and instead turns himself into into the Hulk. Um, and, and I get that, that that is a major departure because even though it's not just different, like in the past, it was forced upon him, you know, in this one, he chose it. Yeah. And that's, that's unwittingly, really, unwittingly well, he didn't but, know yeah. the ramifications of that choice. True. However, he was working for the military and to some extent, uh, at least with the knowledge of shield going on in the movie they don't really tell you all of what you know shield's involvement is but you know from stark and uh they have some stark industry weapons in there they have some all kinds of stuff that's kind of in their shield is kind of preliminary you know peripherally around uh and definitely the military but he you're right he did choose to do this normally it's a it's a wild accident and he is a more sympathetic uh, and in fact like origin. In, in a lot of them from what i can tell he he's rescuing someone else from protecting someone else and that's how he ends up being who he is right yeah but for, for what it's worth i think that captain america is sympathetic even though it wasn't an accident at all it was like deliberate we're gonna make you a super soldier get in this box you right know? yeah um, right. and i think that what made him sympathetic was the kind of person that he was same thing with the hulk uh, the thing I love about the Hulk, and, and maybe Edward Norton brings a lot of that to it, uh, is that for me, 
the Hulk is the strongest person like his inner character is the strongest when he's running away from people who are trying to beat him up because he doesn't want to get angry and and do bad things like to me it takes a person of incredible inner strength to be able to go disappear for five years in rio you know live in a favela and and work with a master to try to teach you how to calm yourself down i mean god that's awesome it was interesting a total a total new dynamic when you have a chase scene where your, your person is your like, hero is running I have away. to run to get away from them. But at the same time, I have to keep my heart rate low and uh, not get too excited and definitely not get angry. You know? <laughs> You're like, yeah, there's Whoa. there's a lot to that. And he's, I mean, there's there's always that uh, that deal where Bruce Banner is actually kind of a decent guy who got pretty well hosed. And he's he always has to deal with this thing and he is confronted with situation after situation after situation that requires him to be exactly what he doesn't want to do. And you always kind of, I always identify with Hulk, you know, cause he's, he's this, you know, super, super green rage monster, which you, you, uh, and everybody's gotten mad. Everybody's been upset and pissed and, and everything. And it feels good to rage, man. It really does to just beat on stuff and and everything. And I after not always so not good. after, <laughs> but during. Man, that feels great. You know, like uh, the the Hulk where he's just got his hands to his side and he's just kind of got his chest bowed and he's screaming to the heavens and everything like that feels good. You know, beating on stuff Are feels you, good. I'm I'm interested if you would consider it good or more of like a release that's needed. Yes, and good. Like, I mean, is that something? Right. You, yeah, okay. here's the thing. And, and people, I have trouble explaining this to people, but I I like violence. You know, I like hitting things. I like hitting people, which is why I don't do that. Because A, I like it. And B, I'm good at it. You know, you've been trained to do it. You've been, you know, uh, sort of like Gross Point Blank. The reason, you know, you've been trained to do it. You, you know, you've been recruited to do it. And you get to like it. You know, that's, I personally wound up, doing that like i like getting into brawls i like fighting i like feeling fist on bone fist on muscle that kind of thing and that is really not an acceptable thing in society or to people or anything like that so you learn especially as a teenager when you got hormones running around and and everything and you wind up hurting people you start to try and control it and yeah I mean, to answer your question, yeah, it does feel good. You know, Andre, I have a, an alternate answer from my perspective, yeah, which that's is just entirely me. different. Yeah, I, you know, I think that like I, I, I'll admit, and I hate to do this, but I, I'll admit that I've gotten pissed off and punched a hole in the wall before. You know, I bet other people have. At the actual moment when you punch the hole in the wall, it does feel good. Yeah, it does. Well, I mean, for me anyway, it feels like. The thing that's been pent up is is released and and did not hurt anyone and it's it's just it feels good at the moment to 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 not have to hold that back but immediately thereafter Afterwards. yeah and 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 for me it, it, when I've done that it's been seconds you know you feel a whole lot of overly negative things far beyond the the momentary release I feel uh, you know. More anger at the fact that I've 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 done damage, you know. I feel shame for the damage that I've done, um, which is why you get pretty good at patching the hole quickly, so you don't have to be ashamed anymore, you know. But you know what I'm saying? What I think is, 
what I was thinking when we were watching the movie, and I think this is kind of my take on it, or at least one take that I have on it. I, I think that culturally, the way that men and women deal with anger is different. And I don't necessarily know like what if there's anything biological in that or what part of it is. But I think that culturally, it's definitely true. And I think that the Hulk seems to me to be kind of about male anger. Because it seems to me something that a lot of guys have dealt with, or it appears to me, I'm not a guy, so I don't know. But it seems that a lot of guys have dealt with similar kind of issues. And I notice that it takes the gentleness of a woman to bring him down from his, you know, to, to help him learn to control it. Always did and, for me. I did not get that from, from that. I could see that interpretation. I'm certainly not, I'm not opposing it, but for me, what I, I, I think that there are plenty, I suspect, and I don't know, but that, that there are plenty of women that have rage issues as well. Of course. And I, I, I also, I, I also got the feeling that, it was his love for her. And I, I guess, it, you know, it's a traditionally heterosexual relationship, but I don't feel like it had to be. I mean, it probably did in hindsight in terms of the way things work in modern society. As of this moment in time, it probably did have to be a heterosexual relationship. But I thought he, it was just somebody he loved. And that's why that, that, cut, that love cut through enough for him to be able to control himself. That's what I got from it. Yeah, I think it's important for me to point out too that I don't, I don't believe that that's how it necessarily has to be. You know, I, I don't think that women are just by nature gentle. And that's, you know, what I'm saying, the movie makers set it up that way. And I am with you that I think that that's how I see this story. I think that the real story behind this is that it was because he loves Elizabeth. But I think that there's a hint of that kind of King Kong carrying the little white, you know, dressed maiden sort of juxtaposition where you have this large, physically powerful, out of control kind of figure, you know, male figure, and then this tiny, fragile, graceful, delicate female figure that's very small and and kind of brings him back down to earth or whatever. I think that the movie is still uh, still pushing that idea a little bit. You know, that kind of classic idea that it takes a woman to calm a man. I don't know that I necessarily agree with that, but I think that that's a a big message here. I mean, like I said, it always worked for me, but that's not necessarily the case. There's still, everybody's got rage issues and all that kind of stuff. But like what Chuck said is immediately after that, you feel that, that, you know, shame and that uh, uh, failure and, and everything. And with the Hulk, it's a thousand times worse. You know, like I, you know, you as a normal person, you hit somebody, you hit a wall, you hit whatever. Hulk tears cars in half and breaks buildings and kicks people through windows and offices and and everything. And that will, you know, if you remember now, he doesn't really remember a whole hell of a lot uh, from when he's a Hulk, but uh, depending on what storyline you're looking at, but he's, he remembers enough. And he sees the the results yeah. of that, and it's it's terribly painful for him because uh, there's there's when he's the Hulk, one his his brain power the more the stronger he is, the less brain power he's got. Right, and I I think that in order for so many people to have identified with the Hulk for so many decades, 
you know, it's speaking to something that's kind of true. When we, male or female, whoever, get so angry that we're like seeing red, you yeah, know what I you're mean? You're not thinking. You are not thinking yeah, with the part of your brain. Way more that, primal. That's right. In the part of your brain that's like firing up and, and flooding the rest of your brain with, you know, hormones or whatever, it does kind of make you dumb. You know, I mean, not to the same extent, probably, or, or not to the point where you don't remember what you're doing, hopefully. But but I think that there's but something if you were smart. You wouldn't do those things. Yeah, there's a point to be made. You're right. Yeah. I mean, there, there's something very real about that. I think even the most he's a, a scientist and a professor, you know, even the most well-educated, you know, like conventionally smart person like Bruce Banner can be overwhelmed by something like anger. And even though this one is kind of a very special kind of anger, I think that people, audiences have always been able to relate to that a little bit because, you know, when you get angry, it's like you're not yourself. I can totally see that, you know. I I like the idea, like Sean pointed out, that, you know, you think about that and and that's the part that's obvious when you watch the movie. You're like, yeah, it's rage. Ah, You know, I get that. You know, he's like me. I feel rage. I feel the part you don't think about, though, is how that after must affect him because, if I feel horribly ashamed for punching a hole in the wall that I could fix in a couple of hours and that didn't really he feels for killing bystanders. Right. That, right. Know. And, and destroying things and on the level he did. And, and of course, if you're willing to look into the comics, it goes way farther than that. Yeah. I mean, know? he, he is a force of nature and in the movie you see in Edward, Norton, there's this great scene where they're, they're in the, or they're like under the cliff ledge or whatever. And she's like, you know, you, you saw me, you remembered me and you reacted to me, you protected me. And, and I think you're in there. You're, you're just, it's, it's a different side of you and it's so overwhelming, you know, but it's you, you're in there. And he refuses to believe, no, no, that's not me. It's not me. It can't be me. Cause he's, he's so ashamed of his actions and he's so, you know, the Hulk is so overpowering that he, he can't deal with, you know, in his head, he can't square that is a part of me and I'm going to have to, to work on that until that moment. He, you know, until the moment later on where he has the ability to choose a little bit. And she encourages him to accept that that may be a part of him that he doesn't like, but that he has but to that's still face you. it instead yeah. of just denying and it. He winds up doing that, which, which is great. You know, and at the, the end, there's this great scene where he's, he's trying to induce his beast. And, and control it. And yeah. control it. And, you know, he's got this smile on his face like, I think I got this. The very end scene of the movie. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I know that smile. It's like, it, it says a lot. At first, it's like, wait a minute, why is he smiling? And then you realize it's because, not because he likes being the Hulk, but because he's figuring out that it doesn't you, have to control his life. You, it doesn't have to control. You can still put controls on your rage and you still can be who you are even when angry and that's the first step you know first is is realizing that this is you and you are responsible for your actions the second is okay let's try and control that and i mean look at any anger management or anything like that that that's the same thing they'll tell you is okay this is you you can't claim no responsibility just because you were angry you can't claim that oh well uh, they made me do it no they didn't that was you so you need to fix you first and realize that you are doing this. And at in the middle of the movie, he's not. I mean, he's he's not. It's not me. Well, compare this to someone like Magneto, you know, who's has to tap into his rage, essentially, or, or rather, I would say tapping into his rage makes him 
more powerful, makes him be able to harness his powers. And then he eventually realizes that, you know, like what uh, Xavier says, there's a point between serenity and rage that, and that's where you want to focus. It's not, it's not all one or the other, but Magneto's rage is a lot more kind of internalized. It's like this intellectual kind of, um, I don't know. I mean, it's not all intellectual, obviously it's emotional, but it doesn't physically transform him the same way. So it seems somehow like more in his head. Well, it's a little more calculated than, yeah, than the Hulk. But Hulk is a really unique character. He really is. There, there isn't a lot about the because it's it sort of takes Jekyll and Hyde and and a couple other things and and kind of King Kong and that kind of it just squashes them all together. And it's a very unique perspective because he's one of the only uh, characters who you know once he's the Hulk, he isn't exactly what you'd call a brain trust. And and you have to deal with that. You kind of point him in the, the direction he needs to go in and then give him a, a simple goal, and you know, the Hulk can accomplish that. There's going to be a lot of collateral damage, but you can get things done as the Hulk. But it's just harnessing that, and uh, it's it's difficult. And in some of the Avengers stuff, some of the Avengers that I've read, it's that's kind of how they use him. I mean, he's not a scalpel. He's, he's a battle axe. You know, he doesn't do... Small surgical missions. You you bring Hulk in when you need stuff destroyed. <laughs> I I you know and and people who have read comics forever will totally get this. But I know some listeners like me had no ex- exposure as a child. You know, I didn't and, either. I I remember seeing the TV show like just randomly here and there, but I I had no idea. Yeah, I think that you know one thing that I did not understand, and that once I did or or am starting to, it, it helps me it helps me enjoy and understand these stories a lot is that the whole point of superheroes is to create a very odd balance of good and bad of, of uh, you know, of power and need to need to control it or of, of power and weakness, you know, or power and cost or situations where you have a very bad situation that drives actions, not always in the right direction. And what it really does, what all this balance is designed to do is to set up and ask questions, questions that you can't really answer. Mm-hmm. Audra, it's almost like superheroes are, are, are humanity's picture books. Yeah. They're asking, des- asking the big questions. Why are. are we the way we are? And yeah, they're made. How to- do we make choices and why? And- exactly. That's what this is about. So, you know, for me, the stories, you can get into all this, you know, all the detail, and that's fun too. But what I, what I really love is finding that question and uh, those questions and letting them, the story help me ask them, you know, and then that's when you start to identify. And that's, even as an adult, I didn't have all those years as a kid, but even as an adult, I start to identify with characters in a way. And sometimes people will question like, why would you identify a character's bad, you know, and you're like, well, yeah, but you don't identify as much with the character as the question, you know? This character asks questions that are important to me, you know? And and that's why I identify with that character. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. There's a there's a lot in this movie that they did much better than than the first one. The the characters are nobody's like uh, nobody's just right, and nobody's just wrong. I mean, even look at uh uh her like a little psychologist nerd boyfriend or whatever. Yeah, he he turned the the Hulk in and told him where he was and everything like that. But it's mostly because he didn't understand. And well, once the, he the did, the general's pretty close to being. Oh yeah, well the general's bad, you know? pretty 
pretty chode like but you know even him you're like oh great you know here's the nerdy boyfriend and he's just and everything and then you find out he didn't understand and once he does he's like, like screw you yeah, yeah. well you they know, said like, right up front they like quashed any stereotype by saying yeah i hear he's a you know he's a good guy like he's a nice guy but then he was kind of kind of crappy and then he did sell him out but then they had that redeeming moment where he's like he's like yeah I don't know I may where be they a are. dick, but I'm not as big a dick as you are. Exactly. Yeah, I thought that line when he tells the general, I used to wonder why she never talked about you. Now I know why. Uh, For me, that was one of yeah. the most powerful lines of the movie. Because that, that whole father-daughter relationship Well, that thing, when hey, she said, don't think of me as a daughter. Don't ever talk to me as a daughter yeah. again. Yeah. Yeah. That was and same kind of thing. And right? he's he's been hunting his green whale, and he he won't stop. Well, that's what he's doing. You know, he's just completely obsessed with the Hulk. And, I think you got him. <laughs> and hey, we shot him. Let's shoot him some more. <laughs> Wait a minute. <laughs> These bullets don't seem what to be working. What part of indestructible do you not get? Yeah, you know, the bullets is, just seem to kind of annoy him. Well, and that's always what it is. Hulk is directly proportional to the force you apply against him. So he has indestructible unlimited yeah. strength, literally unlimited. Oh yeah, and he's, he heals too. Yeah, and he heals. So um, <laughs> you're screwed. You know, you're and and uh, from what I get looking around in the comics and sampling a few, I, have, I still have a Marvel sub, uh, you know online subscription. I poked around just a little and looked, and you know, reading a couple of some of the things that happen, he can get strong enough in the comics where he can literally jump into orbit. Yeah. Wow. I mean, yeah. But I mean, can he breathe when he gets there? That's the question. He doesn't need to. <laughs> yeah, it's bad. He can I mean, hold his breath. <laughs> uh, he can. He he has participated in planet-sized battles. I mean, this guy—they're not even touching what he can really do. Jumping around and smashing cars is nothing. Yeah. I mean, this guy can. This guy can smash planets. You know, if if he. If, if he gets he, mad enough. Yeah, yeah. if he cared to. <laughs> <laughs> you know? But you got to really piss him off. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I thought another cool aspect of this movie was the whole science and ethics thing. Because yeah. Banner himself is a scientist. Well, they're all scientists. I mean, Banner is a scientist. I love the way they toss Ross that around at Marvel. A Everybody's a doctor. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> and you get the uh, the guy, the chinless guy, who <laughs> who helps them out, you know, or kind of helps them. Mr. Blue? Um, yes, Mr. Blue. Exactly. Um, and it's interesting cause you know, there are all these questions about, you know, what should you be doing with science? And obviously the, the implication is that it's immoral to use. I mean, again, the, I'm not saying that this is the truth. I'm, I'm saying that the movie's implying that it's immoral to take this technology and use it to create these weapons that will get out of control and no one will be able to manage. You know, you know what I got from that? I thought about that too. And and back to your question, I didn't want to lose that when you were talking about, is this a commentary at all on world war two? I, I, I thought that the new captain America had probably the greatest take on that ever. It wasn't against, it wasn't saying that the military was good or bad. It was literally pointing out that humanity cannot deal with, with this sort of power. It's just not yeah. possible. There are a few rare individuals and honestly, only fictional ones who can deal with that. You have a one in a one in a billion, like, you know, Steve Rogers that comes along that can handle it. And that's what makes him special. And it takes somebody with humility and heart and beyond human capability. And, right. Yeah. Well, like Job like qualities to be yeah. able to handle something like and that. And that's his superpower really. It's not the strength, it's not that crap. Yeah. It's it's that. And it's his his complete aversion to doing 
the things that he does. And look at what happens to the military guy. You know, I mean, you're talking Hulk or yeah, Hulk. Okay, uh, he he gets infected with re- reasonably the same stuff. Uh, not exactly the same, but look at. I mean, he is a professional soldier. He doesn't mind killing. He's very good at it. He's you know he's got all this, and he winds up literally becoming. He a has he has moral qualms about it until he gets that injection of aggression. Because well, in the beginning, he asked like three times, "Is this guy really a fighter? You know, should we really be doing this?" And he seems to disapprove, kind of, of the way that they're just going to flatten this guy that doesn't seem to be well, a threat. And that's when he was the baddest thing that ever walked through the valley. Now he sees power beyond what is humanly capable and is humiliated by it, basically. And now, okay, tool me up. I'm I'm ready. Let's let's go ahead and do that. And the more he gets in, and he got a little bit of it from the injections, like you said, and he can very remotely kind of hang toe to toe with the Hulk for a second until the Hulk flexes and then just kicks him, you know, half a mile into a tree. I think we're uh, meant to sympathize with him a little bit, though. I think, John Hurt's character. Yeah, I think a little bit. Because I mean, when he gets the injections, when they put it in his spine, the guy's like, the bone one's going to hurt, and they roll him over, and you're just like. I swear I was like crawling out of my skin watching that. And then and then you see him become what he was, which was not cool. And it's it's kind of funny cuz it's he is kind of the same as the Hulk and everything, but the which I always found the the that particular fight not the same. Uh, cuz if uh, everything else is the same, you know, like the strength, the speed, and everything. At the end, when he's like the big lizard, yeah, he's the big reptilian thing. Yeah. If everything else is the same, the person with the the combat training is going to win in a hand to hand engagement. Uh, luck has unless a little bit. Unless you get dumb, unless you get stupid, <laughs> and that's the thing you always got to remember. Because you imagine that as he gets bigger, he has the same problem with the Hulk's issue is is you lose a lot of that higher brain function and power you know where you you have all your training you have all that and now it just comes down to you know hulk smash because but he could speak like the um john hurt's character when he was the beast at the end he actually said a few coherent sentences and he didn't sound like the hulk i almost wonder because there are times in in the hulk's history from what i read where it did or did not affect him that way. There were some times where it did, and there were other offsetting things, you yeah. know. And I know that's because a lot of people wrote the stories and everything. But, right. But I, I wondered if, if, you know, his name was Emil something or other, right? The guy. Uh, yeah, I think so. I I, he wasn't that critical, you know. Yeah. But he, the the super soldier, you know, he essentially. I wondered if he was affected that way. Was he also dumb when he? I think so, and I think the reason I worked it out in my head was the the reason the Hulk was less articulate because he was actually angrier and stronger. Mm. So it was kind of no matter the size, he was. And maybe he was more used to it. Yeah. Maybe he was used to I mean, making had decisions ex- like that. Yeah, he's had experience like that, and he knew how to to deal with that. Mm. Just a moment, though, I got to point out Tim Roth. Holy crap. Tim Roth is one of those actors who, like, disappears. Like, you just, you're like, that was Tim Roth. Wait, which one? The super soldier was yeah. Tim Tim Roth. Oh, I thought that was John Hurt. No, John Hurt was the general. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, I screwed up. My bad. Yeah. No, Tim Roth. I mean, Tim Roth, this is the same guy was in Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are dead. Yeah. Okay. And he was the super soldier. And believable. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> just like, yeah, that's right. That's I, right. I just got to count him among those actors that are like, <laughs> he just becomes somebody. You're like, that was who? 
Really? <laughs> really? Which is which is I guess a compliment, right? Yeah. Is it? Well, that's why I was like, he's in Aliens, and he. You I know. <laughs> and you're like, what? No. <laughs> like I don't know uh, what you're talking up. about. My bad. My bad. <laughs> I knew who you were talking about, though. But, I mean, when the, the super soldier turned into the beast or whatever, the thing that I noticed was that I, I couldn't tell if he was necessarily more dumb, but he definitely got less ethical, and he seemed to be yeah. get a maniacal pleasure in hurting everybody, not just the Hulk, but it was like he really enjoyed doing damage. And the Hulk, you never, you never got the sense that he enjoyed himself as the Hulk. Um, he was definitely dumber, but... It seemed like his his ethics didn't change. They just became like inaccessible to him. It was like yeah. he, he couldn't think about ethics when he was doing anything. But again, I want to say that the the love story, maybe with what you were saying, Chuck, the love story is what seems to be the, the difference. I mean, I, I guess other than that, you could say that Banner's just a more decent human being. But it depends on how much of Banner's really in there. And then there's this love story where at the end, he can actually take this, his huge green you know, index finger, which is like eight feet around and wipe a tear off of, uh, Elizabeth's face. And it's so delicate and everything. And he, he is more ethical as the Hulk than the other guy is oh, yeah. as the beast. Well, and really the, it kind of makes sense with the whole love thing. Cause really there isn't anything other than anger. What is as primal as, as anger? There's only a couple things. Love is one of those. And, and it, he was obviously, he obviously loved her and it was, I think it was kind of a, a nice move on their part to, to show that there was more to the Hulk than Hulk smash, which yeah, yeah. in some of the comics you don't always get, but, but in the last movie you don't always get. Yeah. Yeah. And Chuck, that's kind of what I was trying to point out was that the, the message about it takes a woman to kind of calm down this male rage or whatever. I don't think that they meant it to be, such a gendered kind of argument, but it, it ends up being that way because if it's going to be a love story, if it's going to be someone who can soften him and everything. I, I won't argue that, that any story that is, it ha, that has, is operating in this manner and is a heterosexual, you know, relationship in, Which you know, in the current in time superhero movie uh, or, or almost the majority of movies yeah. right now, I think has that effect. I will not argue that it has that effect. I don't think it stands out among others as having that effect, especially, which to me makes it maybe not as 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 critical. Uh, but but for what it's worth, I'm not uh, you know, I'm not interested in justifying or not justifying it. I would totally stipulate that it has that effect. I just thought that it didn't interest me as much because I don't think it really stands out from well, others what I'm, in that way. the thing I'm saying, I think that's different is that I don't think it's just I don't think this movie's just about rage. I think it's in particular about male rage. You know, and I, that's that's an argument that can be. And I would I would know. disagree with that. I think that uh, I think that it may be represented that way because of 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 cultural issues, mm -hmm. not all good issues. But I think that for me, uh, when I look at it, I don't see male rage. I see rage, and I think this is the kind of rage that I think. Uh, you know, and, and if if gender gets in the way of, I think, a woman identifying with that, then I feel bad for that because I think it shouldn't be that way. Well, to but, be fair, she wasn't featured in this movie. There is a She-Hulk. That's true. That's true. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's right. That's true. But I, I just feel like, you know, uh, it, it's about rage and rage is certainly something that is is shared. And, uh, um, you know, and I would hope that. The well, it's women not gender specific. Yeah. That's for sure. Well, yeah. yeah, I mean, yeah. and I'm not saying that it is, 
You know, I, I, I totally get that. I, you know, well, you know what my argument is. I'm not, and I don't think it's bad at all. I thought, I actually really liked the movie a lot. One of the things that I felt was like standing out to me as kind of like, Audra's going to love this, you know, <laughs> is the, uh, the fact that he's in these other countries and especially the scenes in uh, the favela in Brazil. He's teaching himself Portuguese with he's speaking, yeah. Sesame Street. Yeah, he's awesome. teaching himself You wouldn't like me Portuguese. when I'm hungry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was great. It's not right. Wait. And he's able to even kind of muster some Spanish, you know, when the guy picks him up in the truck and everything. And you know how I am. I love that kind of stuff. Like in X-Men when Magneto speaks like, you know... English, German, he speaks Spanish, seven languages. He'll blend Russian, in. Russian, French, yeah. Nice. It's like that's awesome. Yeah, you know the one thing that I I found kind of funny. This is totally just me, and it's not a critique at all. Is I have a little trouble buying Norton as a good guy because he's so damn problem. effective as a bad guy. I'm <laughs> just like I see him, and I'm like. He's bad. I can, my brain will not accept that he's, he's a good. bad guy from everything. Italian job. He's from a bad everything. guy from Fight Club. He's from the bad everything. guy from Rick and Steve. <laughs> I, <know. laughs> I, I I didn't have problems with him as a bad guy, uh, just or as a good guy, just because Rounders. you know, I don't just because it was the Hulk and there was somewhere for it to go. Oh, I I'm, I said it's not critique. I in no uh, way I enjoyed the movie a lot. I, but I, I didn't just have a problem. With it. I did love the scene where he was like super calm and they just got out of the cab and she's like. Wah! That yeah. was cool. He's that like, was I've funny. got some techniques that can help you with She's that. She's like, you are going to be quiet. We are going to be walking. We're walking here. Yeah. <laughs> that was great. He's like, okay. That was pretty entertaining. Me, that was a awesome. giant green rage monster <laughs> underground. <Yeah. laughs> right. That sounds like a bad idea. And I love how they're having to use the map because they can't use a phone yeah. or anything, you know? Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's like, I actually cut that. My phone went dead in New York a couple of years ago, I guess it was, a year ago. And I was or like, you can't get a signal half the time because. Oh no, I, you, I could, but I just, I, it was dead. The battery was dead, and I'm like, well, son of a bitch, you don't know, have a map of anything, you know, and I, I don't but know where they are either. When we were up there in like 2009, I couldn't connect in Times Square. I could not connect to 3G because there were too many people on it. Ouch. Yeah, they fixed some of that. They got a couple towers and. Manhattan. Yeah, they tend to fix that sort of yeah. thing. Yeah, New Yorkers get a little peeved if they can't use their phone. <laughs> I am. Rightfully disappointed that Edward Norton won't be back. You know, I understand why he's not. I do too. I mean, I he that. wants why? editorial he, control. Yeah, he over has that final product. Editorial control over the final product of anything he's in. Yeah, you're and, not going to get that in the. Oh, editor's right. Program. That's right. You said. And you I'm glad. Know. I think that's the answer is to I, send him packing with I, that. I think that's the correct answer. I think he was I'm disappointed though. The most effective Hulk I've seen. And that well, includes, that's not saying much, particularly. Yeah, and that includes, you know, Lou Ferrigno, <laughs> oh, who hey. was in the movie. I was going to say, yeah, yeah we got to talk about Ferrigno. Sorry to We got to talk about Ferrigno. First of all, that was awesome. Yeah. Okay, come on. Yeah. And second of all, how old is that dude? I got to look now. 60, I bet. He must he's be pretty like old. 140 he's, years old. He's now still or pretty something. buff, too. I mean, he, yeah, he looked like he had just come from a workout. I mean, that was I mean his forearms were huge. Well, I mean, yeah. he's smaller. He's, yeah. he's well, yeah. smaller. Well, but, you can't you can't maintain that over over. I mean, your body is physically not capable of of keeping that same kind of bulk wet thirty versus however the he hell he was born in fifty one. Oh my god, he's my dad's age. Yeah. Wow. So he's sixty. Sixty one. Yeah. yeah. Dude looks great for sixty one. <laughs> All that says is. Go to the gym, take care of yourself. You too do <laughs> I, not have to I get old. I have to old. ask a really stupid question. I know that probably every single human being listening to this cast knows the answer to this, but 
Um, I am not familiar with Lou Ferrigno as an actor, whatever. Um, does he have a speech impediment or is it an accent? I, oh, that's awesome. Yeah, that's, I remember seeing him on TV. That's like, Lou like Ferrigno that. back in the day, painted green. Yeah, I, I remember. <laughs> I'm showing you guys. He, he, was, uh, he was the man. If you yeah. want to see this picture, it's really this IMDb image. I honestly don't know. I, I I I remember seeing the show as a kid. I never really paid attention to his his voice because he was Hulk. And yeah, but even just in how this Hulk movie, was. yeah, like, no, I I I don't know. I never really paid attention to it before. Yeah, in the movie, he was just Hulk, so you didn't really get much in the way of. In this movie, his cameo. Oh, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. I was yeah, just, we're just agreeing. We don't that, know. Uh, yeah, yeah. It, I don't know. Every time I've heard him talk, he sounds like that. Yeah. yeah. I don't know if it's just a, he's not from here or he's, you know, like a Rocky thing. Or. I just, I didn't know. I just wondered about it. I wasn't trying to make fun or anything. It was just like. He would make fun of him to his face. Anyway. He's from yeah. Brooklyn. He looks like a nice guy. I mean, yeah, maybe I'm wrong, but. Everything, everything I've ever heard about him says he's a, he's a solid dude. He had that kind of, and, and I mean, there, I've seen lots of cameos as has, I'm sure every listener, uh, but. I got that feeling that he was having a good time. Yeah. yeah. He had that look on his face like he was kind of beaming, like kind of enjoyed like, the I'm whole so thing. I'm so glad to you know? be here. Yeah. 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 And I get it. I enjoy this and it's good to see it going somewhere. Uh, and they, as they do in most of these, these movies, they did a great job of, of tipping the hat, you know, with the purple stretchy pants. Oh, that was awesome. Yeah. You know, what would you prefer? Yellow spandex? You know I mean? They're doing that same oh, yeah. kind of callback. Can you smell stretchy? <laughs> <laughs> that was great. It was the stretchiest pants they had. He turns around and he sees that dude in the stretch pants. He's like, actually, yeah. <laughs> there's kinda, an answer. It kind of works, you know? So, and I, they're I mean, purple. Yeah, they do Lou Ferrigno. They do... they. I mean, Stanley is, of course, in it as as he is in most. Uh, so all, all, yeah. No, I think there was one. They said he he either contractually he's in gonna, all of them. Well, no, no, no. I, I, it was a thing. I, I think they oh, said really? there was one that he either wasn't going to be in or or chose not to be in. For wow, some really? Yeah. I wonder which one. I can't remember. It, operator was telling me about it wow. that there was one that he was not going to be in. Whoa, interesting. That's kinda- that's kind of a <laughs> worrisome thing. Uh, if I made a superhero movie, you know, from that property and Stanley's like, you know, I don't want to be in this one. I'm just going to be like, huh? Yeah. I, I, don't, I can't remember what the deal was or something like that, but they, either he, there's one he has or, or is filming now or something like that, that he's just not going to interesting be in. But anyway, um, yeah, I mean, they, they do all the callbacks and everything and it's, it's great for, for if you're a Hulk fan at all, even if you're not, this turned out really well. Oh, yeah. It really did. It didn't get the play that everything... And he's not as dynamic a character as some like Iron Man or Thor or any of the ones that they've made so far. But he's he's just as interesting. Not as dynamic, but just as interesting, I think. And he's always been my favorite. It's a great kickoff for our Avengers arc as we run down the Avengers movies leading up to the big one itself. Joss Whedon's new masterpiece. I can't wait for that. uh, Hitting screens in about five or six weeks. Next week, we've got Iron Man. Probably one of my favorite movies. I would suggest that that is your favorite movie. It probably is. It what is are we going to do, of, Thor? If not... Uh, <laughs> I'm just like, I want to see Thor again. She's like, don't care. Thor? <laughs> Thor? <laughs> Thor's my favorite one. No, seriously, which one is it? We are doing Iron Man, Iron Man 2, uh, Captain America, Thor, and then the Avengers. So basically in order. In order. Yeah. Well, except for this, apparently, which I jacked up because we should have swapped them. That would have been cool, actually. Yeah, I, I wish I'd caught that. Yeah. I... 
I didn't know. I, I just thought looked. you were. I'm like, I know. I thought you were just doing Iron Man together, just because you wanted to Kinda do cool Iron Man too. Nothing wrong with that. Each other. No, I. Uh, but so two weeks till. Four. I thought I was putting them in order. I was close. <laughs> <laughs> One whole month, man. Not even a whole month. Yeah. Quite. I would have <laughs> lumped Iron Man two in with Iron Man. I uh, see. That's what I thought you were going to do. I thought you wanted to do Iron Man and then do Iron Man two. <laughs> Chuck's like, oh. Screw that. Oh, you no, ain't lumping no, together I mean, in one I cast? I just do one cast because Iron Man 2 was not a good movie. Screw that. It is <laughs> too a good movie. It's a fun movie. It's a good movie. It is a fun movie. I don't know if it's not in the same league as Iron, Iron Man. Man 1, but that's Man that's you know okay, that's right, not chill. difficult to do. Chill. I think there's a long way from <laughs> Iron Man 1 to bad. Chuck's, you know, white rage monster came out. <laughs> Red. Yeah. Hi, not you. Yeah. <laughs> I'd say your coloring, you'd probably be white. Ish, yeah. Yeah. Well, by comic standards, yes. Yeah, see, your hair, with comics, your hair <laughs> would dictate that you would be a white Hulk. Yeah, you pretty would be much. a white yeah, Chuck Hulk. have to work that way. There you Chulk. go. Chuck. Chuck. <laughs> Chuck smash. Yeah, pretty much, man. They got that in, too. I mean, come on. That yeah, was awesome. Cool. Oh, yeah. I'm excited about Iron Man coming up. Iron Man... Uh, a great character, not a good guy, awesomely interesting. Oh, yeah. See, that is the exact reverse from Hulk. It, everything <laughs> is, is done with his mind, and, and he, he uh, you know, the Iron Man outthought you a while back, you know, <laughs> between partying and drinking, <laughs> made a thing that was that, that would take care of all situations and then went back to stripping. Either and, you but, but Bruce and, Banner is, I just don't want him to lose out on that. I mean, he was a really intelligent guy. Yeah. And really conscientious. The Hulk and, is not. Bruce Banner. Awesome. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Either you guys uh, checked out the, uh, the AMC series comic book man, you know, the, no, no. The, is that the Kevin Smith thing? Yeah. I have not. I, yeah, I wanted to, and I just haven't checked it out It's a six-episode. It's all out now. Is uh, it? If it's, it's on six, AMC, it's got to be good, according to the last few years. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That was Kevin Smith's <laughs> thing. He's like, oh, my God, it's on AMC. If it's a bomb, I'll be the one that killed oh, AMC. I will kill AMC. <laughs> AMC's record. I think it was great. I know I, I know a lot of people have complained about it, but I, I really like the show. It's a lot of fun. It's it's essentially a, a reality show set in the secret stash in New Jersey with, uh, with Walt Flanagan again and all those guys i heard there's going to be more of them i hope so i really do i've seen the first six and they were really good the first season and yeah and anyway what made me think of it was that in it, the way it's said is it, it cuts between like them sitting around doing a podcast which they actually do where they talk about what's happening and then the store and things happening it, it's a, one of the discussions that they had they, they intercut these like comic book discussions that they have which are really funny and entertaining as you would imagine right just based on the little pieces that make it into kevin smith movies one of the ones they were like, well, which comic book character, which superhero would you most like to sit down and have a beer with? You know, was one of them. And one of the guys was like, ah, Tony Stark, you know, and they're like, what's well, that's kind of messed up. You know, you pick the one guy that has an alcohol problem and you could have a what is that? It's like it's like you can invite one person to the kryptonite ball. Oh, man, Superman. <laughs> it's like fish in a barrel. man. Come on. He said a beer. <laughs> yeah that's the thing see with like uh with like drinking problem it doesn't really add doesn't really work one that comic way book character you can sit down and have a beer with yeah i know wonder woman any comic book character and any superhero like, they were saying but yeah. they they you know what though the people they pick obviously allowed quite a lot of range in terms of what a superhero was so i'm making finger quotes mm-hmm. thor <laughs> <laughs> yeah i'm thinking wonder woman yeah 
is it like have a beer with or, or hook up with, which is what I, I kind of feel emanating across the room here. I mean, well, Batman's kind of a dick, and I don't think he'd wind out. I wouldn't want to have a beer with Batman. Yeah, it's not really cool. And Spider-Man's too emo. Superman, Agreed. you wouldn't get anything from it because alcohol doesn't really affect him, and he wouldn't drink beer he wouldn't anyway. Drink beer, yeah. You know, Aquaman. Well, Aquaman just sucks. You can't and then, be seen <laughs> him dressed like he is. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I can't think of Aquaman without thinking of Big Bang Theory and, and Raj wearing the, <laughs> the seahorse. With the blonde wig. That just that screwed it up for me, you know? I don't yeah. want to be Aquaman. Aquaman, Aquaman sucks. sucks. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, Aquaman like, just sucks. Scooter's yeah. the Aquaman of the Muppet Babies. Yeah. I mean, but I just have that image of him wearing that costume and it's, it's pretty uh, much over, you know? I mean, you know... Robin wouldn't have a beer with you because he's out getting laid, you know, and uh, I, I don't know. For me, it'd just be Wonder Woman because, you know, there's nothing bad that could happen with Wonder Woman. You know, if she decided to like, like beat you up and tie you up. That'd be okay. If she wanted to drink a beer with you, that'd be okay. You know, you could have some, some cool uh, discussions with Wonder Woman because she's, she is intelligent and, you know, so. You know who might be kind of cool to have a beer with if I, if I got away from the Thor Avenue, I would think like Jean Grey. She'd be pretty cool, I think. I think she'd pretty be, cool conversation. She's a little too know? nerdy for me. That's she's a little I too clinical. That. Yeah, she's awesome. I want see Wonder Woman looks to me like she discussion. knows how to party, and I would like that. I was thinking of those like, are good arguments, having though. good see, conversations good arguments, though. I like Jean Grey. Yeah, <laughs> Chuck. Oh, I don't know. I was thinking. You know, that's a tough one. I hadn't even thought. <laughs> You can you can split it into A and B. A could lead to hookup. <laughs> no, no, B, no. I was thinking uh, no. I was thinking more. I have to admit, I would I would go with the with the uh, Tony Stark just because he'd have he'd be the guy I'd want to ask questions. You know, you know me. I am such an asshole that I've always felt like if if I'm always fascinated by by anybody fictional, of course, because this doesn't exist except rarely in reality, right? That are actually you know, valuable enough in some way that people will put up with their crap. Right. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm very fascinated by those people because I am not one. People do not put up with my crap. I do. It sounds like you want to be rarely. one of those people. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like You're you would like, like to be that. Yeah. Well, considering I don't that think I, that's a good thing. Considering the, it's not, but considering the amount of success I've had with not being an asshole, I mean, I thought that might be a better route. <laughs> you wouldn't be the biggest asshole in the room. Exactly. See, that's you'd, it. You'd be normal by comparison. It would be fascinating. I wasn't even in the running. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't even in the running. That's the same guy. <laughs> I know. That's why it's so great. <laughs> Here, I'm not even in the You're running. You're the most annoying person on a double date that included Howard Wallowitz. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody's going to get that. So that was, I thought it was pretty brilliant. We're talking yeah. about it's actually Air uh, America. It's from Air America yeah. when the uh, same you know yeah. same actor is essentially playing a guy. He's like, I used to be the weirdest person in the room. Here, I'm not even, I'm in, not the even in the running. Yeah, <laughs> is it like this all the time? No, nah, it's just nighttime. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm saying, though. Tell me, it wouldn't be interesting to ask to talk to uh, you know a dude who has you know that kind of background. That would be. I don't know. And my excuse would be drinks anyway. Drinks anyway. <laughs> Star could probably buy. We could afford it. <laughs> yeah, you can afford it. You know? <laughs> yeah. Like multi-billionaire and he doesn't buy the drinks. <laughs> That's, how do you think people get to be multi-billionaires by buying assholes drinks, you know? It doesn't work. He oh, got well. it free anyway. <laughs> well, Mr. Stark, you're a couple of It's brewery. on his shield expense account. Oh, okay. yeah. I just yeah. want to point that out. Pepper will sort it out later. That's I just right. imagine like, send me a bill. Fury, like, a little, like hand invoice, you know, it's like eye patches, <laughs> $2.79, you know. Eye patches. 
<laughs> Keep my eye on you. Okay, we should probably wrap up. We're running, you know, like us. I should say we're running GWC. I'm just going to call it that yeah. from now. Instead of saying we're running long, I'm going to say we're running GWC. So, uh, Audrey, you got anything to add here at the end? I had a really good time watching Hulk. I enjoyed Me the movie too. a lot. And I think Edward Norton was great. It did cross my mind a couple of times that he's a bad guy, you know, but that's just because he's so effectively <laughs> yeah. played. Steve's going to turn on you. I know. Steve's going to yeah. turn on you. I'm like, you can't trust that dude. You can't trust him. <laughs> yeah. Do everything with Steve. <laughs> So true. And uh, I think the Avengers arc is awesome because I think it's really fun to talk about superheroes in depth, you know, not just what they look like or yeah. what their powers are. That's fun, you know, but also to talk about their their backgrounds and what makes them different people. And like you said, the the big questions about, you know, all that good stuff. I love it. I, can I interject one thing in there? I, I want to point you out. You already did. <laughs> I missed out, you know, I missed out on comics when I was a kid. I'm not missing out on them as adult, as an adult. If you happen to be listening and you have missed out on them as well, if someone like, you know, when you were a kid told you, oh, those are for people who do, you know, who don't want to read. That may be true. That may not be people true. People did tell me that when I was a kid. Those <laughs> yeah. are those are for losers. Yeah. Those are for nerds. Oh, those, those are, are for just, people who are not smart enough to read yeah, real books. Yeah. Total, I got total BS. Yeah, I got lucky because my mom looked at it and really kind of discerned yeah. what was valuable and everything. It was just like, okay, this is, you know, you're reading this stuff. And she was like, okay, this is about duty and honor and friendship and, and love. And I it's, yeah, I just want to point out that these it's never too late. Yeah. These are all about the core humanities asking the big questions. Yeah. And, and when you read them, you know, you're going to ask those questions too. And if you haven't, it's never too late to start. So sorry. Yeah. I didn't mean to interrupt. Yeah. John. Uh yeah I I particularly have an uh, an affection for the Hulk so I, I enjoyed the hell out of seeing it uh there's uh there's all kinds of great stuff with with any of the comic books like you're saying it's never too late to start I want to re- re- reiterate that uh there's tons of stuff whatever your particular uh, uh I guess uh, draw to to comics is you will find one that that suits it, you know, whether you, you like uh, the superhero stuff or maybe your uh, space combat or giant robots or whatever your, whatever your kink is, there is a comic out there that serves it and is, will, will light you up. I promise. So uh, check them out. Um, also uh, props again to uh, awesome engineering girl who introduced me to Nerf warfare. Uh, I've been making Nerf guns left, right and backwards for like the last yeah. two weeks. And it's been great. my, I uh, I did my first one and like right after the meetup after she like bit me with the bug. It's yeah. exceptionally cheap. It's like ten bucks to get it. I spent more on paint than I did guns, uh, and I've been making them for people for like the last two weeks. It's been great. So uh, thank you. It's super enjoyable. I, I think they come out great when they're when they're done properly, and I can't wait to do more. So uh, she's yet another hobby I picked up from GWC. Nice. So awesome. Well, you know, if you're interested in, in uh, getting into these stories, uh, I think a lot of times comics are portrayed as a club that you have to be a member of. Yeah. Uh, because... Kind of elitist sometimes. Yeah. yeah. And I got to tell you that I have yet to find a comic book store that you couldn't walk into, go to the guy at the counter and say, I don't know squat about any of this, and I'm really interested in getting started, and I'm kind of interested in this sort of thing. What do you got? And they'll lead you to something. It's literally the way the stores are designed, and I think everybody misses that. I did for a long time. I went in and tried to pretend I knew what I was doing or something, you know, because I didn't want to be embarrassed. BS. Just walk in, grab the guy at the counter, tell him what sort. Because if you say, 
I'm interested. They'll ask you, well, what sort of stuff are you into, right? Yeah. Just tell They've them. done that with me before, too. Yeah. They were super nice. Exactly. <laughs> like, tell giant robots that slaughter stuff hey, and fight got space. It. You know, yeah, no here's problem. Here's some Robotech. Here's if you're this, interested in a particular yeah. character, grab a book. Well, you can't I, go I wrong. I told them I was a little intimidated, too, and the time that I went in and did that, I was like, you know, it doesn't have to be any particular kind of character, but I'd like to read comics that are not portraying women in sexist ways or in stereotypical ways i'd like to see like human being women in comics you should you know? have seen that and they would have they thought for a minute and two like, of them like yeah, talked to each other like know, how about this so what about this yeah what, yeah it was cool and it's great you know i've seen them do that with like i don't know how many people when i happen to be in the store yeah. you know so i didn't know what i wanted but i knew what i didn't want and that helped you know i think more than almost the 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 chances that someone that you talk to in that store will be knowledgeable higher than almost any kind of store you go into yeah. And that's really badass. You know, like it's if like you, how record stores used to be. Yeah. Hell, you're absolutely right. And you know, if you go, I was going to say, if you go into a bookstore, uh, like a, 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 a relatively large bookstore, they don't know that much about the books. The small ones, the independent ones. Some still of do. them. Yeah. yeah. But uh, awesome stuff. So I would say jump right in. The other thing is, is if you're one of those people and I used to be kind of this way, my favorite person who still is this way is Soleil. Soleil is very much still this way. If you're one of those people that you feel like you have to collect everything and then watch it in order. Like if, if you, you know, like I don't want to see anything. You got to watch out because comics don't work that way. Like if you go in and you're like, where do I start to read Captain America? Ooh, that's a big question. Yeah. Ooh, slow down. You know, I mean, characters. <laughs> what what have you seen? What did Captain America look like? What is in your head when you think of that? Because you can exactly. start from the beginning and he ain't going to be like or you the think Hulk he is. or anybody. Because yeah. that's the problem. A lot of these characters get introduced as side characters and then move into their own. They get their own books. Different writers take them over at different times and do entirely different things. They get retconned to different yeah, different they have spurs that, that branch off. There's you have all alternate universes. You have all sorts of crap. I mean, the truth is, is if either go in and say, I want to read about this and they'll help you find it. Or if you just aren't concerned, pick up a book and start reading. If you don't like it, try forward or backward a ways. Yeah. Yeah. And if, if you're worried about the expensive comics, the old ones, you see them like this comics worth $600. That's great. That's the original one. You can get reprints of them for Jack. If it's Marvel, a lot of times you can get it online. Yeah. The old ones are almost always in the, uh, in the digital subscription. So, Anyway, great stuff. Hope you get involved and check some of these out. I'm going back and reading some of the older Iron Man comics, you mm-hmm. know, leading up to the movie, <laughs> trying to check some of the yeah. others. Real um, quick, local libraries, too. Libraries have a lot of comics and graphic novels. Nice. I did not know that. Yes. Me either. Good to know. Good to know. Yes, it's they do still day. exist, everybody. <laughs> Your city probably has one. <laughs> or two. Or 12. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. And I uh, look forward to seeing you back here to talk about Iron Man. <laughs> <laughs> he's he's a quiver already. Next week. Next week. On behalf of everyone here at GWC, thanks for listening. And thanks to all who make GWC possible, including producer Soleil, form moderators Badgerspoon, Pike, and Frackentalos, GWC Book Club Maven, Casilda, and tech guru Juan Drew. Remember, if you'd like to share your opinions with the GWC crew and listeners, you can call us anytime at 214-296-9229, extension 701. You can also contact us via galacticwatercooler.com, our website and blog. But you should really spend some time over on the GWC forum. GWCers really are the friendliest people on sci-fi. We're always re-watching or group reading something fun. You might even find a GWC meetup somewhere near you. 
GWC is funded by advertising and by listeners like you. For information on how you can donate, visit galacticwatercooler.com slash support. Finally, special thanks to Ferris and his friends Encoder and Jim Minadeo for GWC's sweet theme music. For more Encoder, visit them at myspace.com slash encoder.